Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about the two-year anniversary of CAF and the 95th Academy Awards. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and joining me through the past two years is my co-host, Cody Webb. Cody, what's going on, man? Yeah, man. Jack to be here. I think it'd be a really fun episode. Cannot really believe it's been two years since we officially started CAF. It's definitely going to be good to reminisce on it a little bit. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm really excited for this uh, special two-year anniversary. We reached out to some former guests and we asked them to basically ask us questions. We're going to do a little bit of an AMA as we, as we have in the past for our anniversaries, but we're going straight to our former guests who we love and we're, we're getting them to ask us questions and I'm, I'm really excited for it. Oh yeah. No, and uh, shout out to everyone who sent in the cues as well. Big shout outs to you. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I think, you know, these are going to be a lot of fun to just go through and, and see what each person, you know, is bringing to the table. Yeah, it's going to be really great. And they all sent in voice messages as well. So we'll get yeah. to hear their uh, lovely voices again on the podcast. It feels weird. Yeah, two years. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> True. That's what we do on this pod, right? Oh, yeah. Endless amounts of fun. And uh, let's talk about the most fun event of the year to get things started. Mm. The uh, The Oscars were last night as of recording a couple days ago as of release, but uh, just give me, you know, what'd you think of the show? Uh, you know, what'd you think of the night? Yeah. I thought altogether it was a pretty good night. I mean, off the top, it, it is a long show. I feel like every year you kind of forget how long it is and everybody was crying about how, you know, they dropped some of the categories and stuff. So it was a little shorter. I don't mind that for me. Honest. I don't need to see, you know, well, they brought them that. back this year. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it was worth it, I guess, but you know, I don't really care either way. But also, I, I thought Jimmy Kimmel was actually decent. I feel like it is kind of hard to mess up with just such easy, you know, Will Smith material. Like, just say, like, five Will Smith jokes, and, and you're probably good for the night. So I thought he was good there. Yeah, I mean, in general, awards-wise, I mean, everything, everywhere at once just absolutely massacred, which I really didn't expect. So I thought I thought that was pretty cool. But, I mean, yeah, going in, we, we did our predictions. I don't think you had picked everything everywhere for that many. I think both of us probably did like four or five ish, but I think it ended up winning like seven, if that's right, maybe seven or eight and basically swept all the, the major awards. So I thought that was pretty cool. Going into the night, I still wasn't sure about the the acting ones, particularly uh, supporting actress and best actress with yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh winning over Kate Blanchett and um, Angela Bassett, which were the two that I picked. Those were the, the things that I was probably most surprised of on the night. But at the same time, there's a lot of precursor awards. Michelle Yeoh had been winning. There's a lot of love coming around, you know, for her. Jamie Lee Curtis, another one, you know, Hollywood favorite. And it's time sort of thing and there was a little bit of the pulling back from like the marvelness of the Angela Bassett performance and just the fact that it would be like the first MCU actor to you know win an award or she was the first to even receive a nomination for the performance so I, I think there was a little bit of you know pulling back away from that in the last couple of weeks and you know that's where we you know ended up with essentially an unprecedented win from everything everywhere all at once it did not win the big five but notably it didn't have anybody that was even competing in best actor a24 had a great night and they picked up that uh, lone win in the best actor category for uh, the whale. They, they lost out an animated feature, but otherwise they won pretty much every race that they're running. Um, pretty crazy that uh, a movie studio that's like 10 years old at this point is, is basically running the Oscars every year. Yeah. A24 killed it. And I think it is pretty crazy. Like, when when was everything ever all at once released? Like, well, that's the thing. It premiered at South by Southwest, which is happening 
this weekend. So it was a year ago it premiered, um, and then it came like in wide release around the same time that the Oscars happened, which was the end of March, early April of last yeah. year. So I mean, old school thinking would say that's bad for a movie if it's too around too long, people get too used to it. You know, it it peaks too soon, right? Traditionally, you release movies in October, November, December. Those are your awards contenders. Everything Everywhere, I think, benefited for being around for so long because it just stayed in the consciousness. It was so popular and it just grew and grew and grew in popularity. Like you had your initial people who came out and saw it and were loving it and they told everybody about it. And then people, even the people are like, oh no, I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to check out the weird story. Like it stuck around for so long. Then it won awards and like people were just forced because it was such a part of the cultural lexicon for an entire 365 days. You you were almost forced into uh being a part of the everything everywhere hive. Yeah. And I love that. I hope, you know, that kind of does break, you know, that sort of boundaries that I feel like have been said of, you know, oh, this movie has to be released during this time to be considered for these awards. Cause I think that's just complete bullshit. With that being said, I, I am really, really happy for everyone winning, you know, for all the awards for everything everyone wants. But however, yeah, I, I really think Kate Blanchett was robbed. I mean, I love Michelle Yeoh. I think, like I said in our prediction show, I wish they would give them both the award because they're both unbelievable. But I mean, Kate Blanchett, I don't know. That's that's a tough one to lose on, I think, for her. The thing is, Kate Blanchett, she's won two Oscars already. Now, you know, one of those is for The Aviator, where she just plays Catherine Hepburn, right? But like, yeah. this is the best performance of her career, no doubt, in my opinion. It's just, so. it's tough when it's going up against Michelle Yeoh, a person who had never been nominated. You know, we'd never seen an Asian actress even win in an acting category uh, like this. So just storyline-wise, you know, it was the right moment for Michelle Yeoh. Kate Blanchett, I think, to a certain degree, almost kind of gave it over to Michelle Yeoh. She didn't really campaign too hard. She really was super supportive of the other acting performances throughout the campaign trail. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it's cool. I think, in reality... Kate Blanchett probably had the best acting performance of last year, male or female. And then on top of that, Jamie Lee Curtis, another person I love, but for that performance is the one that we're going to give her the Oscar. You know, Carrie Condon was great in Banshees. Even Stephanie Hugh in Everything Everywhere, I think, is a better performance. But that's just, you know, kind of how these things work sometimes. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention next. And um, I mean, personally, I think Angela Bassett was robbed. Uh, I think that's probably much, much worse than the Michelle Yeoh one. Just because, like I said, I think those two are basically on the same level. I don't know. I, I didn't think Jamie Lee was, you know, best supporting actress winner worthy there. I'm not going to lie. Every every other word that everything ever all, all at once won, I was a massive fan of. Obviously, uh, the, we had a great speech for, for best supporting actor uh, from Kehi Kwan. I mean, he's just a Hollywood darling at this point. Put that guy in everything and, and I'll be happy. And then seeing Brendan Fraser win as well. I think he was even surprised that he won. I don't know if he was completely prepared uh, speech-wise. He's kind of all over the place. Yeah, his speech. Right on character. It was very raw. Yeah. It was a little rough, though, I would say. But it, Fraser, we love him. We'll let yeah. him go. You just Honestly, want the fucking best actor after, you know, a, you know, having your career basically be nothing for a few years and that's what i think he was just honestly surprised because he's like oh okay they're gonna give me a nom because you know i was blacklisted and everything yeah i don't know i mean the whale it's definitely a good performance but you know there's a lot of good ones i i personally may have gone for colin farrell but it's hard to pick between those but yeah i thought all in all it was a pretty good show too like there weren't too many down points they kind of sped along the categories doing like back to back with presenters and stuff so even though it was a little bit longer, I didn't mind. Oh, and another thing too, I loved all the all the love for Quiet on the Western Front. 
I think that was one of the best movies of the year and probably would have been my second choice for best picture behind uh, everything. So I'm happy that it won a lot in a lot in the technicals, like I had said, and I'm very happy that Elvis didn't steal away a lot of awards that uh, All Quiet on the Western Front deserved. So I, I was happy to see that too. I would have loved to have seen a little bit more Top Gun love, a little bit more Banshees love, a little bit more Tar yeah. love. Banshees really didn't win anything, did it? Banshees didn't win anything. Tar didn't win anything. I yeah. think those... I, to me, listen, I mean, Babylon's another one in a few people talk about in a few years, we might look back. But to me, like, I think we'll look back in a few years at just like Tar winning zero Oscars as is completely ridiculous. Because I, I, I think that movie, listen, I love everything everywhere all at once. It was my favorite movie of the year. But I think like in terms of just like representative of this year and this time um, of what like a movie can represent and be reflective of our times. I, I think it is the uh, the best example of that. And, it, it, you know, it's unfortunate that it just didn't get a ton of love. I think screenplay honestly should have gone to one of those two in between Tar and, and Banshees. I feel like everything, I mean, it doesn't rely as much on its script, I don't think. I think it has a lot of other things going on, which makes it really great. But script wise, I, I feel like, yeah, Banshees, Tar are kind of just on a different level in that stance. Yeah, everything else I don't mind, like, director i think that's a good pick for that too best picture i agree with a lot of the technicals like i said went to all quiet on the western front and like half of them i feel like uh like even cinematography like banshees wasn't nominated somehow so i feel like maybe the noms they missed out on a couple and then they kind of just got swept in every category by everything so they didn't really have a chance to clean up on the technicals which is tough i think it's cool that a movie like everything everywhere is going to win every award but I yeah. think it would make for a more fun Oscars if, you know, you see multiple movies win across different categories. It not just being a singular juggernaut that sweeps everything. I, I think you have more fun when you get different people up there for, for, for different awards. I agree. And that's probably why Tom Cruise didn't show up and, and James Cameron, I guess, <laughs> which was noted on by Jimmy Kimmel. But yeah, I mean, basically everybody other than, you know, everything everywhere cast didn't really need to show up tonight. So, you know, it is what it is, but I I'm not too mad about it because I, I do love that film. I will say, you know, you, you like Kimmel and when they said Kimmel was announcing the Oscars, I wasn't excited. It made sense as a choice. He's a, you know, a live TV vet at this point. He's been, you know, around the circles. He's hosted the Oscars in the past and they needed someone who could make the show run very smoothly, handle anything that comes up in the wake of a turbulent show last year with will smith and everything so jimmy kinwell was the smart safe choice i wasn't super excited about it when he started the monologue i was like okay you know what this isn't too bad listen he's punching up for the most part which is always good and i think he made the obvious jokes that that needed to be made across the board as the show wore on and the more and more i saw jimmy kimmel it was like it was tough because the show outside of kimmel was not really fun it was it was pretty somber, pretty straight laced and, and for a reason, right? You know, you rarely saw people drinking in the crowd. There didn't really seem to be like there was the presenters weren't making jokes. They were just reading weird teleprompted stuff like Jimmy Kimmel was the only part of the show that was supposed to be fun. And just as the show wore on, I got more and more tired of the shitty jokes he was making. And I think his jokes got weaker, uh, particularly the segment where he goes out. He did his one like crowd work in the, you know, seats segment he goes up to malala uh, yeah. and brings out cocaine bear obviously that just does not look good like that's just dumb and it's a very kimmel thing to do like that is exactly the kind of shit i expect from jimmy kimmel so yeah a yeah. little bit a little bit disappointed with that i feel like that's just the wrong person at target with that joke 
like he was trying to you know get bath and stuff out of malala and she's like i only talk about peace like that's just not her brand to like joke around about stuff so i thought that was and then the cocaine bear i thought that was a bit of a miss for me even when elizabeth banks was presenting i was kind of just like like i'm tired of this already after 30 seconds but yeah the monologue was decent i thought I did like him uh, bringing out uh, what's the donkey's name as well. I I can't remember. Well, it was fake Jenny. It wasn't even really Jenny. It wasn't he, Jenny. He brought no. out Jenny. It looked like her to be fair, but I like that. I guess until I just found that out. But yeah, past that, I mean, you are kind of right. I feel like as the show went along, like the jokes pretty much stopped, which is interesting. However, I did like uh, a lot of the musical performances as well. I wanted to bring those up. I thought RR was dope. <laughs> I mean, how can you not love them? And then I thought Rihanna was sick. I mean, I feel like uh, I would say three of the musical performances were good. Yeah, I mean, two uh, of them were the everything everywhere one. I I muted that one. I'm not gonna lie. So I I missed probably parts of that that I didn't want to hear. But I thought Rihanna was was fucking. I mean, excuse my language. But she was incredible. I mean, Jesus, this girl can sing, and I think that just proves you know how ridiculously good she is compared to uh, you know everybody else here but well imagine having a baby and then like getting pregnant within nine months again going and doing the super bowl while you're pregnant and then like three weeks later going and do the oscars it's just insane <laughs> yeah also who won who won best song was it rr yeah it, it was rr yes i think that's deserved i like that i think rihanna maybe deserved a little bit more but I mean, I can't argue against RR winning awards. So I did like to see that too. Their speech, yeah, that guy he was singing it was super memorable as well. That's probably one of my favorite, you know, speeches of the night. Any early hot takes, predictions oh. about next year's Oscars? Well, I think I think uh, it is time for a new host. Personally, bring bring a new comedian on. Give new comedians chance. You know, Jimmy Kimmel. I think he was okay for this year just because it was a weird transition coming into last year with all the controversy. But yeah, I mean, spice it up next year. I mean, try something new. I think the ratings actually were okay this year. I feel like if they don't really change anything, it could go down a little bit. But yeah, bring somebody new in. That'd be my my big thing. Ratings were up uh, 12% from last year to 18.7 million. I mean, compared to last year's show, yeah, who's going to miss this year's? Jesus. Hey, we're, <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Um, The last thing I wanted to talk about, there was two moments within the show that were kind of like, sponsored essentially right like they were ads straight up well there may have been more moments but there's two i want to talk about <laughs> specifically the disney plus little mermaid trailer yeah. and then the the warner brothers whatever that the fuck that was margot robbie morgan freeman presenting. Shut up, morgan. i mean two pretty good presenters to get for that to be fair well okay so there's been you know talk in the past of like wouldn't it be cool to debut trailers at the oscars give you know movie studios an opportunity to to you know, present what what's the big thing for the next year? Show us some footage, because you know, making an event right for moviegoers who who is your audience? It's the people that see movies and enjoy movies. So give them something specific to that. Um, I think last year or, or two years ago for the like the weird COVID Oscars that we had, uh, the West Side Story trailer premiered at least like in a commercial break, and it was the first time anybody had seen it. So stuff similar to that, I think, is a good idea. However. When it's all, well, first of all, they just started with Disney, right? And it was Halle Bailey and Melissa McCarthy <laughs> came out on stage and they said, here's the trailer for The Little Mermaid. And they just showed the trailer, which uh, I don't know. I don't think it looked great. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I I probably won't see it personally. I think Melissa McCarthy is actually not the worst choice for Ursula, surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, the music looked good. I mean, it looked like your your average Disney reboot for, that they don't need to do, but 
I'm sure I'll make a crap ton of money. Oh yeah, definitely will make plenty of money. But the thing is like the Academy Awards are hosted by ABC, which is owned by Disney. And it's like very much like this is like, oh, synergistic business is happening. And ABC is showing you an ad within the show. If it's just Disney, maybe that's okay. I, you know, I don't love it, but it, it's, you know, it's whatever. It's Disney's doing an ad for their own shit, whatever. Mm. But then they bring in Warner Brothers to get their like spot. And maybe they had the option like, hey, you guys can play a trailer if you want, or you could, I, I don't know how, how this happened. Did they come to AB? Like, who knows, right? The business dealings. I assume they probably paid for it, but Margot Robbie and Morgan Freeman come out and they present this montage and- it's basically just like, hey, Warner Brothers movies are cool, right? Like that's the point of it. And pretty like, much, it was, yeah. I think it was like a Warner Brothers 100 year thing, but yeah. it was just kind of strange. Yeah, you're just kind of just celebrating, I guess, 100 years in all like the you know iconic movies they've had. I feel like there's no real point behind it though. Like they're just saying, oh, this studio's cool, and they've been around for you know a millennium. Okay, but like, what's the point? I, I really didn't understand the segment to begin with. I feel like. Yeah, and, and then it's just weird when like other when you think like Paramount, Netflix, Apple, like these countless other studios, you know, studios that actually were winning awards like A24 at the show, like didn't get an opportunity to have their pitch. I'm not saying the show needed to be longer, of course, you know, we don't want that. But like it, it was really weird to have those two segments and those be the only ones. And I, I'm curious to hear some behind the scenes stuff. Well, well hey, I mean, uh, did Apple turn 100? No. <laughs> that's true 90 years maybe we'll get the uh a24 uh yeah, final. <laughs> the uh, 185th academy awards i'm sure we won't be around to see that so i'm excited <laughs> i sure hope not all right cody let's uh let's get into these questions i mean two years man it it's crazy right yeah i mean like you said man time really flies it does not feel like we've been doing this for two years for me for some reason i mean yeah what are we on now like season five is that right Chee! uh it's impressive you know <laughs> two years down hopefully a few more to go but yeah it, it really is wild it for some reason does not feel that long to me yeah and you know thanks to everybody that's taken the yeah. time to listen to you know even if this is the first episode you've ever listened to over our our two years we just we really appreciate it and i, I we always say like we do this regardless if we had zero listeners every week we, we'd shout into the void about movies so uh it's cool just to to know that anybody's listening and uh, we appreciate you guys. Yeah, 100%. Why don't we uh, get into our first question with uh, actually our, our most recent guest, Chris McGovern. Oh, let's do it. Good evening, gentlemen. How are we doing today? Congrats on two years of this pod. You guys are great at what you do and I'm happy to have been able to be a small little part of it. I got two questions for you tonight. The first one is going to be, if you had to pick a favorite production member when it comes to movies that's not a director, a writer, or a producer, who would it be? I'll let you think on that. And number two, <laughs> if you had to pick an Oscars category that does not already exist, which category would you pick and who would some of your nominations be for this year? Thanks, guys. Another two years. Keep it going. <laughs> Oh yeah. Thanks Chris for asking those two questions. And oh, Chris. I mean, I just want to say off the bat, like I feel like both of these questions and maybe a lot of these questions that are coming up could be episode ideas in themselves. Like we could do whole episodes. Uh, so we will try and keep our answers as concise as possible as we're doing this. Oh, but we're definitely going off, off on tangents too. So <laughs> Very true. Let, let, let's start with the first one. Favorite non, you know, director, writer, production member, you know, I think the obvious one when you hear this question 
is got to be you start thinking like composers because I think when you go past those top three, I feel like the most well known to general population is going to be co- composers. You're going to know your John Williams, you're going to know your Michael Giacchino, Danny Elfman, like all those different people. I obviously have a, a classic one that I always say on the podcast. That's my favorite composer, Cody. Who is it? <laughs> I don't know, Ludwig something something, Von Sorensen. I don't know. Ludwig Gorenson, that's my guy. Uh, you know, the Creed score, the Black Panther score, New Girl Community, various work on Childish Gambino albums, Grammy award winning, Oscar award winning uh, Ludwig. He's my go-to for composer. I, I did have a couple other that I was thinking. Cinematographer, I think probably the most celebrated of all time is Roger Deakins. And I think that's yeah. the obvious easy choice. My favorite thing that he's probably worked on is Prisoners. Uh, just the way that movie shot, him and did. De- Denis working together, we got to get those two back together for sure. I mean, Denis and Deacons don't really miss. Sicario visually is unbelievable. Blade Runner 2049, probably the most mofo beautiful movie I've ever seen in my life. So shout out that. And uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, that was my first thought as well. Shout out just people behind the camera in general, I would say. The the biggest clip I think of that always is at La La Land, Damien Chazelle him like tapping on the cameraman to keep switching back and forth like 10 times. Like these people, they put in the work. So that I just, I think they deserve a shout out. Um, but along with that, I mean, my initial thought is the writers, just because I feel like I relate to them the most, I guess, but I'm not really writers. So I don't know why I say that, but he said not the writers. So my second one that I wanted to shout out to was uh, the lighting crew. I think that shit is unbelievably difficult to begin with and kind of overlooked completely at, at the end of the process. I mean, the amount of work that kind of goes into every single shot with lighting, especially stuff like outside, you know, it's hard to catch it at the right time of day. You got to kind of do it all yourself. It's difficult. It's very difficult. So I I did want to shout out the lighting crew as well, because I I don't think they get any sort of love. Yeah. Shout out to all the gaffers. That's the uh, official title of the people who work on Seth. They're the electricians. I would say uh, the cool thing about that, and the reason I don't think I could ever be a cinematographer is that like lighting is so difficult and in lighting and cinematographers, they all work together to make it happen. And there is so much that goes into it. I think we talked in our men in black episode about how there's just like that scene where they're sitting on the park bench, but then you look at the behind the scenes image and it's like 15 different bounce boards and a key light and a backlight and a rim. Like there's just a like so many different pieces that go into just like making a shot look normal, which is insane. So Shout out to all those people. Shout out to all the gaffers. <laughs> yeah, shout out the gaffers. I didn't know the official name. But gaffers are are the go-to people, I think, in you know, a lot of shots, and uh, they don't get any credit. So, yeah, I agree. And, you know, editors often as well, so underlooked, like they're really the people that are like going in and, and, and putting the story together, piecing it together. You got to imagine the, the countless hours that these people are sifting through. They're making the decisions about what the best performances are, what the best takes are. And and, and sometimes they're they're piecing together stuff when there's not a lot of good stuff to piece together <laughs> imagine editing everything ever out it's like that shit's impossible like the amount of time that it even takes to do that I feel like it's almost insurmountable um which you could say a lot of, about a lot of things in the movie making process but that is that is one of the ones as well that's underlooked i think a lot and uh moving over to that second question that he asked new oscar award and uh who would you who would you pick for it cody yeah i think we've talked briefly about this for a couple times you always brought up what is it animated voice work or something so i'm sure you're gonna talk about that but i had a couple ideas and they kind of mentioned it uh, a little bit last night which is probably why i thought of it but best comedy kind of maybe bring that back i think they said maybe in the first oscars they had that category 
yeah they did more of like a golden globes type of thing where they like split drama and comedy into two different i think comedy is obviously they're never gonna get any love at all at the oscars so just kind of throw in a weird subcategory and kind of put everything else that maybe doesn't fit in there and then obviously it's not as you know highly prestige as you know uh you know best picture and stuff or best screenplay or anything like that but it's still fun not that like movies probably wouldn't you know be in any other categories maybe we get a chance i think that'd be cool not go full golden globes and you know make every single category surrounded on them kind of just have one focused on them and i think probably the winner this year would have been banshees uh of engineering probably say that word which again got got absolutely no love but was one of my favorite movies of the year so i think that would have been cool to see at least yeah definitely i think that'd be uh an easy pick and you know you don't want to like detract or like take away from the power of any single award by splitting things up too much but i think the oscars in general have a genre problem i mean the fact that everything everywhere all at once as a primarily like sci-fi film won an oscars is crazy to think about like very few sci-fi horror comedy they never win you know best picture they they very rarely even get nominated so i i think having something to kind of fill in that gap would be a good idea for sure and i mean yeah it is kind of weird even to think about that because i mean it is definitely sci-fi multiverse stuff i mean it's also like a kung fu movie at its core almost so i don't think we'll ever see another kind of in that sub genres really even contend for oscars so yeah it's weird yeah hey maybe things have changed though uh this could be a, a turning point for sure for me you know you do mention i i do often bring up the uh the voice work thing and i, I there would be some good picks for this year uh antonio banderas probably the runaway for his uh performance in pussy boots of course how does the man do it there's so much emotion behind that growl <laughs> gotta love uh gotta love Banderas's work but the ones that I, I I think of here casting director I think is one that's a big miss when it comes to like building out these huge ensemble casts um there's a ton of work that goes into that and that's another just like below the line person that would you know definitely be deserving of some awards I think movies that had really great casts put together um everything everywhere all at once of course uh Glass Onion this year another movie that didn't get a ton of love Babylon's was pretty solid as well Top Gun Maverick um, and Black Panther would be good as well. I think those ones are a little bit of a struggle. Glass Onion kind of fits it, but not as much. But what do you do with like sequels in this category? Because like, are you counting the pre-existing castings or you're thinking more of like the people you bring in? Black Panther, I think of like the kids that were cast to play some prominent roles in that, you know, even though they're small roles on top of, you know, Tuno Huerta, you know, coming in and playing Namor, uh, you know, is Dominique Thorne as well for uh, Riri Williams. On top of that, you know, if you don't like casting director, it seems you're not a huge fan. Uh, stunt coordinator, I think that would be a great one, especially in a year when you have a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once, where the stunt, you know, the action scenes are so well done and they're done on such a small scale. I think you should be celebrating these people. Um, again, Everything Everywhere, Top Gun, Black Panther, but then throw in bat- the Batman as well. They would definitely have a nomination. And then a little fun one, Jackass Forever would be a, what another classic. <laughs> yeah, Jackass would have won a lot of Oscars by now. If that was a category. <laughs> I do like stunt coordinator a lot, actually. I think that can open up to a lot of smaller indie um, sort of action films as well, which would be a lot of fun. A lot of international stuff too, 100%. Casting director, I'm more on the fence about, I would say. I feel like at times it could just be like, oh, which movie had the biggest budget or who could pay the stars the most money? Yeah. So that would get troublesome, but I don't hate the idea. I think maybe like best cast 
which I think is something maybe that uh, the Golden Globes or somebody does. Well, like, you know, SAG does like an ensemble award, which, yeah. which I mean, to some extent, there's an argument for that as well. You know, you have movies like Women Talking where the, all the actresses and actors are great in it, but it's tough to nominate, nominate a singular performance where, you know, when everybody has, you know, shared screen time together. And this, I mean, the thing is, I feel like it's just, these are good awards because they're hitting on movies that are underlooked by other awards, like Women Talking. I don't know. I feel like it was kind of undervalued and I feel like it'd almost be a, a shoe in to win that one. So I don't hate the concept just for that reason alone, I feel like. Another one uh, that I think they could add that I've, I've heard talked about, similar to what the Grammys does with like a best new artist, doing a best new director, I think would be, you know, highlighting the people who have their big debut in the year. Um, I think the most notable one that everyone would point to would be Charlotte Wells and After Sun. Um, obviously, Paul Mescal got that acting nomination, but it was the only nomination for the film. Realistically, you know, Charlotte Wells probably doesn't fit into the best director category quite yet. But as a debut feature film, it's pretty incredible. And I think you should be recognizing the people who are going to be the future of our industry. Uh, another one, John Patton Ford with Emily the Criminal would be a good nomination. The director of Smile, like you might be grasping at straws. There's some things I haven't yeah. seen, some international <laughs> stuff. Uh, Dean Fletcher Camp of Marcella Shell, that was his debut feature film. The movie The Quiet Girl, which was nominated in international feature, came from a first-time director, Colm Baird. So like there's definitely, you could get five new directors to highlight here in this category. That's an interesting one. I don't know if I'm a massive fan of that. I mean, I feel like it would be cool to, you know, shout out newer directors coming into the scene. But I mean, yeah, all the movies you just mentioned, I feel like, you know, aren't the best things ever. So it kind of just depends on the year of, you know, who's coming out with new stuff that year. Are there really that many new directors every single year? I don't know. There's a lot of questions there. Um, but I, I had another one that's kind of along similar veins in a sense. It is a director award, but sort of like an achievement award every single year. So like kind of honoring maybe an older director who, uh, excuse me, it could be a couple different things. So maybe it's like, oh, a director's, this is one of their last movies they're ever going to make and they're a legend. Or maybe like, oh, this was the peak of, of this guy's career. So we're just like, or you, I mean, you could even include newer ones. Like, oh, if somebody really had a really great like debut or, for, or first couple films. Like, so is oh, this like the, the Cody Webb specialty in directing award? Can you yeah. name it after you? I love that name. But yeah, kind of, I guess you can kind of wing it and do whatever you want with it, um, which I think would be fun for the Oscars because I feel like everything is kind of set in stone a little bit. Well, Cody, I, I appreciate you coming up with the the idea for an honorary Oscar. That's some real <laughs> groundbreaking stuff. Uh, I'll have to call up the Academy. <laughs> yeah, but they do it like what? Every, once every like 10 years. They give four like, out every year, honorary Oscars well, to people. Four they people don't get do an Oscar on, every year. They don't do it on live TV, so I don't. I don't care. They gave Samuel one like two years ago and we didn't even yeah, get know. to see well, that's it. What I'm saying. They don't they don't do it every year. And like Samuel Jackson's a cool one. Like in similar vein to that. Maybe somebody's more like B list. You were it. just sad to see Spielberg sitting there getting made fun of for his uh parents' divorce all night and when No, nothing. I was fine with that. I'm I do not I don't I don't really care about Spielberg. And yeah, I feel like a, a lot of shots were kind of thrown his way as well, which I which I thought was funny, but he, he'll probably never be back at the Oscars again in his life. So who even cares? Don't count Spielberg out like that. Come on now. I was surprised. We didn't even mention he didn't win Best Director, but I don't know about that one. I feel like that one's a definite snub. And another one that I uh, forgot about until now, too. I don't know how Black Panther won for, for costume design. Obviously, you know, like half the stuff in there is really good. But then the other half is like really, really bad. Like Ironheart looks terrible. The new costume they gave Okoye is just god awful. So it, it's kind of like a 
but and the other stuff like everything and yeah i'm gonna be honest i don't the the award's not for like the shitty cgi rendered costumes like it's for the intricate like people like it's all the citizens of wakanda that are dressed and obviously ruth carter has been working for many years she won ruth carter deserves it black panther definitely deserves it spike lee i mean she's an iconic person in the industry i'm not taking anything away from ruth carter i love ruth carter but that movie specifically had just terrible, terrible costumes at points. So I don't think we can let that pass. But I need to shout that out as well. Ruth Carter, come on the pod. I love you. But I mean, come on. What is that a Koye fit? Uh, that might need to be like the clip of the week or something or, or the thumbnail. because It's that bad. Well, let's uh, let's head over to our next question uh, from my brother, former guest Cade Zavokal. Heck yeah. Hey, Cody and Corbin. Congrats on two years. And thanks for letting me be a small part of the episode. Today, I'm excited to announce the opening of the Movie Hall of Fame. Obviously, because of your membership in the Movie Podcasters Association of America, you're both (laughs) going to get to help decide the inaugural class of inductees. What five movies will each of you be voting for to make it in as first ballot inductees? Much like the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's up to you to decide your own personal criteria. Thanks, and go Hoosiers. Uh, <laughs> at, at, he just had to throw that one uh, at us at the end. Uh, don't want to hate on any of our uh, other former guests, but this might might be the best question. I mean, it's really well thought out. It's really interesting. I'm curious to hear kind of you know where you might approach this from. There's a lot of things that I I do want to be honest with the audience that were made up. Uh, we are not a part of the the Movie Podcasters Association of America. Uh, there is no Movie Hall of Fame happening, or will there? You know, maybe someone say. someone will listen to this episode and they might be like, oh, shit, this could be the start. These guys it got could, some ideas. You could be a couple of the founding members. I'm very interested to hear your picks. So I say we, we throw it over you first because I, I have a solid list, I think. But you can go about this in, in so many different ways. Our lists are not going to be like the five greatest movies of all time or the five. I don't maybe, know. Mine are pretty good. Yours, you think yours are? <laughs> okay. Well, listen, that's not what my list is. Would you pick holes? <laughs> What I wanted to do, I, I, what I, was, I was trying to think about this, and I wanted to pick movies that primarily came out when I was alive, because mm-hmm. to me, it's like my Hall of Fame, right? So okay. I went with movies that all come out post-2000, with one exception for a 1999 movie. I don't have any movies on my list that are past 2000. Well, the, uh, hey, well, there we go. This, this <laughs> We are creating an encompassing 10. Uh, so you get all the pre-2000s, and I get all the post-2000s. Uh, I, I did go for one in 1999 that you will obviously recognize, but I wanted to kind of get a list that was somewhat representative of my taste, but also representative of, you know, greater tastes and popularity, mm-hmm. uh, as well as, you know, being at least somewhat culturally representative of, of other people. Um, obviously, with only five movies, like you are not going to be able to represent every single group, every single aspect of filmmaking. I, I tried my best. So the can first I guess, movie, can I guess some of your picks just based yeah, off? Your yeah. What, what do you think, Cody? What, what are some of my picks? Not do that. I bet you have uh, Moonlight. I bet you have Everything Ever All at Once. Oh, what's another one that's like culturally diverse? You probably have Lady Bird on there too, just because you like that. I don't know. Those would be my three guesses. Moonlight is on the list. So yeah. uh, I good well, pick. Here's the thing. Moonlight, I think was. A good pick. I wanted to definitely have at least one best picture winner on the list. Historically significant, culturally significant, extremely important for the LGBT community as well as the black community. And just an incredible movie, an incredible story, like piece of storytelling with performances from top to bottom, 
the older version of the character played by Trevante Rhodes or Janelle Monet and Mahershala Ali playing, you know, her, his suitor, pseudo mother and father figures all across the board. Incredible movie. So that was my my best picture pick from 2016. Um, I did have to go for my favorite movie. I got to throw it in. I got to pick Catch You If You Can, Cody. Um, okay. In no way do I think this like would that. realistically be in, in the five movies. But listen, it's Steven Spielberg. He's a extremely important director, maybe one of the greatest of all time. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. It's Tom Hanks, two of the greatest actors of all time. So yeah, I think Catch Me If You Can, while the movie itself maybe doesn't have the same cultural impact as some others, I think it represents a lot of important aspects of Hollywood. It's also based on a true story. So there's another one. Uh, you had to get one of those in there. <laughs> based on a true story. Yeah, I was right, say, it's really not, but <laughs> I also wanted to grab an international film in here and maybe this is a little bit recency bias, but it's also Fair the one that has tra transcended the international lines. It is the foreign language film that has had the greatest impact in the United States. So I think Parasite obviously deserves a list. Another best picture winner as well. Uh, but I'm taking it more just for the overall arching career of Bong Joon-ho, as well as just the fact that it, it you know, that little subtitle transcended uh, beyond. And, uh, you know, it, it allows for a movie like Everything Everywhere that has probably 40% subtitles in it uh, to, to be so successful, I think. Yeah, I should have guessed that one. That was that was an obvious one too. Um, and then this, this one people are going to hate, mm -hmm. but like, listen, if you talk about movies in the 21st century, in some way you have to have comic book movies, superhero movies represented, probably more than once realistically across the hall of fame um the obvious one the one that i love the most that i think we would both pick is the dark knight we think you know it's the best one oh, yeah. um, there's some other great ones but i think i'm gonna go for if it's if you'll allow it infinity war and endgame as one movie <laughs> can we count that <laughs> if not then we'll just throw an endgame but <laughs> it broke the box office record it became the largest grossing movie of all time on top of the fact that it was the culmination of a 10-year storytelling adventure that had never been done before in movies. I think, you know, love or hate the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you cannot deny the significance and the importance of those movies. So if you want to say they're a part one, part two, put them together, go ahead. If not, we'll just throw in Endgame uh, as my pick. And then the last one, which is actually a movie that I think if I was going to like just try and do like five pure important movies should be in the Hall of Fame, it's got to be the matrix. I think movie making of the last 20 years has been entirely based in the ideas of what the Wachowskis did in the matrix. Even looking at the movies nominated for Oscars this year in 2023 from the short film category with movies like an ostrich told me the world was fake and I believed it, which is heavily influenced by the matrix. It's literally about a guy who is in a stop motion film where his like is drowned out by the monotony of day-to-day -day life. And then, you know, a, figure comes and, and tells them the world is made up that is heavily influenced by the matrix and then you go to things like everything everywhere all else which both in the style and the direction and in just like the themes and the technology of science fiction is also very heavily influenced by the work of the matrix um so those are my five films interesting list i do like the matrix on there just for like you said it's influentiality i think is is a good point just historically i feel like that makes sense to put that in there and Infinity War Endgame, I think we can definitely smush those two together. That's allowed. I probably would have preferred to see The Dark Knight personally, but that's just me. Interesting list. I think we took this in, in completely different ways. I think my list probably would be a more realistic of probably maybe the first five uh, movies in, in the Hall of Fame. But I like your approach. You, you thought outside the box, so I'll give you props. 
Have yeah, you I, seen all five movies you nominated, Cody? <laughs> yes. I, w- I And uh, I was going to include The Godfather. I'll say that off the bat, but I haven't seen it. So it missed out. That would be my number six pick. But again, I haven't really seen it. So I feel like I'm not allowed to put it on. But yeah, let's just run through these. I mean, number one, I got to put Citizen Kane, dude. <laughs> How can this not be like near the top of everyone's list? I mean, it's widely considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Obviously, Orson Welles. You know, it got released a long time ago, so maybe lost in the weeds, but also boring. Yeah, of course, but you know, <laughs> it, it's on the list. Number two, sort of right alongside next to that. I don't know. I think this movie is better than Citizen Kane. Casablanca. This is probably my I like favorite. that chase. Yeah, from like that era of film, like the early, early stages. I mean, so quotable. Just a really good story, too, as well. And I mean, some of the best working actors and actors, actresses in that era all together in one film. So there's nothing you cannot love about Casablanca. That would be my one from this list if you haven't seen it. And I feel like the majority of people likely have not to definitely go check that one out because, uh, yeah, it's an all time great HBO Max. Uh, true. HBO Max got a lot of good stuff. Uh, moving past that more. Well, not really into the modern era. I'm going to take 2001 A Space Odyssey. I mean, again, the influence. I feel like this is sort of my Matrix pick. Just because everything that came past this, I feel like is influenced a little bit from this film. Obviously, I mean, anything, you know, sci-fi sort of in a sense comes from this, but also just like the opening is is so weird. And also the ending is crazy weird. I feel like it it opened a lot of doors for people to kind of go outside the box and, and not just make such straightforward films, kind of be as creative as possible. And yeah, the direction, the writing, the acting, it's all off the wall. Incredibly iconic as well, um, you know, you could name off about 10 or 15 different just how quotes in itself and uh, we could be here all day but yeah love that movie thirdly moving a little bit more into the modern era and this may be where my list gets kind of controversial i guess i'm gonna pick 1977 star wars yeah just the influence man i mean this movie i mean it was just the biggest hit of all time when it came out it spawned probably the biggest franchise still running today and uh, the movie's incredible. It had a bunch of no-name casts, a studio that didn't really believe in it, and just some weirdo named George Lucas at the helm. And, and somehow he made it all work. Obviously, his, his work after that pretty much ruined it entirely. But who cares? Because this movie rocks. And yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of just the ultimate good versus evil story. Best villain of all time. One of the best heroes of all time. A couple of the best heroes of all time. Probably one of the best uh, female leads of all time, too. It, you go on and on with that movie, but yeah, one of my faves. Then lastly, my most modern movie, I had to throw one modern classic in here, and it was a tough choice. I ended up going with Pulp Fiction, the Tarantino classic. Again, I mean, these movies are all a little bit influential, but this one with its weird storytelling, you know, trope of, you know, mixing up the the timeline with the story and also having just an incredible ensemble uh along with Tarantino's, of course, classic shoot 'em up style where, where everybody dies. You really can't go wrong. And I mean, sure, I'm sure a lot of people call this film a little overrated, which I may agree with, but I mean, you can't deny its greatness, I don't think. So those would be my five for the Hall of Fame. Again, a little bit, I think, just different, you know, thinking in mind when coming up with these lists. But I mean, five classics there. I don't think you can really deny any of those five don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Cade compared it to the baseball hall of fame ballot and as we both know 
it's whatever you decide wants to go. You know, sometimes you, you you might see a bout and you're like, catch me if you can. What the fuck is this idiot talking about? <laughs> and then uh, you, you might see one and you're like, Star Wars, Pulp Fiction, what a fucking normie. Typical bullshit. So, uh, you know, we, we I think you put our five and our, your my five and your five together and we've got a pretty solid list of ten. Yeah, I agree. I think most of your list is good. Moonlight's a great pick. Parasite's a good pick. You know, past that, whatever. But... If I didn't try and stick primarily in the 21st century i think star wars obviously has to be on my list um obviously one of my all-time favorites not casablanca though Mm, yeah wow i thought this was going to be a start of a beautiful friendship dude Uh, (laughs) let's hit our next question good buddy jake ross multiple time podcast guest junior corbin good evening gentlemen (laughs) Um, happy anniversary. Love to miss you guys. Uh, my question for you is, what are each of your top five most anticipated films releasing theatrically or via streaming oh. in 2023? <laughs> That's it. Thank you, guys. Happy anniversary again. Miss you. Very uh, typical Jake Ross question right there. Uh, sounded like he might be he- being held hostage. I'm not sure. We will reach out to him to make sure he's okay. Uh, but yeah, top five most anticipated films of 2023. I mean, maybe we uh, start at five and go back and forth, Cody? Yeah, let's do it. My number five, you know, I kind of just made this list off the top of my head too, so I may be missing one or two. My number five is going to be Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like growing up, I played all the Mario games. And when they announced the movie, I was not excited for it. I mean, Chris Pratt's Mario, that sounds terrible. But I kind of like the trailer. I mean, they brought out, they're doing like Mario Kart on Rainbow Road. Like, that looks sick. I don't know, like everything with Jack Black and Bowser looks awesome. Charlie Day's Luigi is such a good pick, too. Like, other than Chris Pratt, Anya Taylor-Joy's Peach is cool, too. Everybody other than Chris Pratt, like, is a great casting choice, I think. And um, yeah, this is kind of just like, oh, my, my nostalgic pick, I think. The, the rest of these are probably legitimately like I'm I'm super excited for. But yeah, this one I'm like, oh, I'll definitely go see that. Like, uh, I probably shouldn't because it's Illumination and it's probably just me a theater full of little kids. But I'm going to be in there when, when they all hop on Rainbow Road. I'm going to be cheering my ass off. So that's all I know. <laughs> I am surprised to see that make your list. Because I'm, I'm not really like a Mario fan. I never really played any of the games. Like, I've definitely played Mario Kart now at this point but like i didn't growing up necessarily and i think it's one that i will probably enjoy more than i expect to mario kart we you know undefeated game growing up so shout out that my number five movie uh will not be released theatrically so thank god jake came in with that uh or streaming (laughs) caveat for us um but it is uh gonna be released on netflix and it is the killer from david fincher we mentioned in our last episode this is starring michael fassbender it's just you know finch man getting back to his like neo-noir detective type stuff you know zodiac i think is a fantastic movie and i think if tonally this is similar to that but maybe uh a little bit shorter we're gonna be in for a, a great flick come uh november yeah that's a great pick and definitely made my list i completely forgot about it but oh the finch man back with Michael Fassbender, sign me up. That's that's an unbelievable pairing. So yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, going, going swiftly into my number four. I'm gonna go with the Marvels. Obviously, I'm a comic book guy, and uh, the first Captain Marvel I was not a massive fan of, but the Miss Marvel TV show I did enjoy a lot. 
And um, I'm kind of just interested to see what they do. It, I feel like that you can go kind of a lot of different directions with this film, obviously bringing in Monica Rambeau from WandaVision, which I was a fan of that show and her character as well. So you're kind of bringing in two different characters who I did like into a franchise that I wasn't a big fan of, maybe breathe a little bit new life into it. Did it get pushed back a little bit though? I think it did get pushed back to, to November. Yeah, so that's a little worrying, but I believe Nia DaCosta is at the helm as well, and she's one of my, well, yeah, I, I think she is one of my favorite directors working today, surprisingly. But yeah, I, there's no reason for me not to be excited for this, so yeah, it's got to make my list. Yeah, I'm I'm a little wary. I think that's one that, especially with Marvel movies as of late, it getting pushed back, the original Captain Marvel, like there's a lot of, <laughs> there's not there's a lot of reasons to think it might not be the best, but I am hopeful that, uh they're able to do something great because I did enjoy Miss Marvel, like you said as well. Good show. Check that out if you haven't seen it. My number four movie, and this may be a little bit surprising considering who the filmmaker is, but my number four movie is Oppenheimer from Christopher Nolan. Now, I think Nolan is probably one of my favorite directors. We've talked about his movies in the past, Inception, The Dark Knight Arises, uh, The Prestige on this podcast. Oppenheimer, I think it is on the top five because it is a Nolan movie and it's got a pretty good cast. But it's not higher because I just am not as interested in the story, I don't think. Now, I may be wrong. I may come into this movie and end up loving it. Um, but to me, you know, his war, more historical fiction type stuff, primarily, it's, you know, what he did in Dunkirk is not something that resonated with me a lot. And if Oppenheimer is in a similar vein, at the very least, uh, you know, I fear that I may not enjoy it, but, you know, still coming in at four, I think is a pretty respectable spot. I think uh, that's a good pick. It's not on my list, spoiler alert. I think you're right. I mean, I just don't know really what genre this film is. If it's like a sci-fi weird thing, like I'm 100% down. But yeah, if it's kind of just like a historical biopic about Oppenheimer, I feel like it's a lot less interesting. But I feel like he, like they've keeping it pretty close. I mean, to it's Christopher that. Nolan, so exactly. <laughs> we, we shouldn't probably count him out that it's going to be, it's not going to be normal, right? I would expect bonkers stuff from this movie, but that's just kind of not what they're selling at this point. So I'm a little bit, you know, just confused on that. But I mean, they're keeping their cards close to the chest. Also the cast. I mean, it is what it is. It's just every white person in Hollywood, you know, historical accuracy. I feel like maybe that's what he's going for. And I just don't care too much about it. An Oppenheimer biopic, if I'm being completely honest. But yeah, Kelly Murphy's great. I, I mean, Christopher Nolan. Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt's in it? See, I didn't even know that. Uh, Christopher Nolan, I mean, he is probably the, the best working director today, just resume-wise. Uh, so yeah, how can you not be excited for, for a new summer blockbuster if it's coming out? Again, maybe another trailer comes out. But but like you said, the fact that they're keeping things close to the vest almost worries me. Consider I think of like Nolan movies and their marketing historically have had some like very interesting trailers, some just like really like hype, get you interested trailers. And the Oppenheimer one is, it's okay. It's fine. You know, they did their initial teaser with like the bomb blowing up and they've released some more footage at this point, but there's nothing that's particularly drawing me in. And I, I think back to like, even that tenant trailer that was just like so weird. And it was basically, they, they at one point were just showing like the opening of the movie when they were marked, just I don't know. I'm a little uh, unsure about Oppenheimer. Yeah, I mean, trailers are always weird in general. Maybe just because it was COVID times and, you know, they, they wanted to push people out to the theaters. I don't know. There's a lot of things you can read and everything. But yeah, Oppenheimer, I don't know. It, it is what it is. We'll see. I mean, I'm going to go see it, obviously. <laughs> Who isn't going to go see it? So, you know, we'll see how it is together, I guess. But hopefully it's some weird sci-fi thing. That'd be dope. What's your number three, Cody? Yeah, my number three, I'm going to go Dune 2. 
I mean, how can you not have this on your list? I'm sure it's, you know, higher on yours as well. But, I mean, Denis Villeneuve back at the helm, bringing back the entire cast, basically. Uh, Timmy Chalamet, Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson survived that film, didn't she? I think so. I don't know. But, um, yeah, and <laughs> they're bringing well, in. Does she? I, don't, I really don't know. Where I she barely ends up, remember to be that the end of that movie, but I remember it was half a movie. Basically, Zendaya should have a bigger part. Evidently, Florence Pugh, Austin Butler, Christopher Walken is going to be in it as well. So, I mean, it's just kind of the conclusion of this epic story. And uh, yeah, it's Denis Villeneuve at the helm, my favorite, you know, director working today. So yeah, I'm pumped. How, how can you not for a Denis movie? This is my number one <laughs> most anticipated oh, yeah. movie of the year. Um, I really loved the first Dune movie. And like you said, it was half of a movie, right? Like that was the, my biggest talking point when I came out of it. And we did a whole episode on it. Like this was so good. And you just gave me basically the first act of the story. And now this, the second part, if it's even to the same level of quality, but finishes the story, I have to imagine I'm going to absolutely love it. Now, maybe I'm setting my expectations way too high, but it's Denis Villeneuve. I, I think my expectations can be pretty damn high. So, uh, Excited for it. Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya finally actually doing something. Yeah, yeah. count me in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll might for it. Uh, what, what's your number three, though? Well, my number three is Killers of the Flower Moon from Martin Scorsese. And right. similar to the Oppenheimer thing, I'm just a little bit unsure about this movie. It was supposed to come out last year and got pushed. Actually, I think it was originally supposed to come out in 2020 and then COVID. Yeah. Like it has been pushed back multiple times. It still does not have an official release date for this year. A lot of people believe it will be premiering at Cannes in May. But then after that, like when is it going to be on Apple TV Plus? We've seen some images. We don't have a trailer. There's just a lot of question marks. But it's Martin Scorsese directing Leonardo DiCaprio again. It's uh, a book that I've actually just started re reading. I'm about 70 pages into it. Um, and it's a very interesting book. It's a very interesting story. Uh, Brendan Fraser and Jesse Plemons are also going to be a, a part of the movie as well. So yeah, I'm definitely excited. I mean, again, uh, he's one of the best working directors today. That's a fun cast too. I didn't know, uh, you know, Fraser and Jesse Plemons, I think is mad underrated. So I feel like he hasn't been doing a ton recently, recently. But yeah, I mean, like I said, not didn't make my list, but... I mean, that's definitely my top 10, no doubt. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And now that I've begun to read the book, like I can kind of recognize these names of, of who these characters are playing. But I really believe originally, like Leo was going to be playing a different role that was like the lead lead of the movie. And then Jesse Plemons kind of took over that role and Leo took more of a supporting role in the cast. Yeah, so uh, again, we just like don't, there's just so much we don't know about this movie at all. Yeah, hopefully it gets released this year, hopefully. Yeah, I agree with that. My number two, I feel like this is the obvious pick, and maybe it's not on your list. I'd be surprised. It, it's Guardians of Galaxy 3. I mean, James Gunn, it's his finale for, you know, his Marvel sort of cinematic experience as well, which is interesting. And, uh, yeah, shit's going to go down. I mean, Guardians 1 is, is one of my favorite of the MCU. Guardians 2 is massive letdown for me personally. I don't think it's very good, but Guardians 3 looks dope. I mean, the trailers are exactly kind of what you're looking for in a Guardians movie. You know, bright colors, cool songs, interesting villains, and it looks like a lot of death. So, I mean, I'm pumped. Give me a dark MCU movie. I think, you know, Black Panther Wakanda Forever was kind of a turn in that, and it's kind of a breath, breath of fresh air a little bit, other than just, you know, the same Marvel movie over and over again. So, 
you know, give me that campiness that James Gunn obviously can can really bring those characters, but I mean, bring some heart too. That that's what the first Guardians did. Uh, so I'm I'm pumped. I think this will probably be the biggest movie, you know, block. Uh, you know, I can't talk box office wise 2023. If not, it's gonna be damn close. But yeah, I'm extremely hyped just because that first Guardians, like I said, is is one of my favorites of all time. So yeah, how can you not? Yeah, it it didn't make my list. Uh, Ooh. no. No Marvel movies did. <laughs> what if this is bad, Cody? <laughs> no, I, I went more for like the summer blockbusters and you went more for the actual movies that are going to be really good. I think, again, just different different kind of thinking here. I don't know. I, I just thought of all, all the comic book movies because I'm a comic book nerd. But yeah. Different different strokes for different folks, as they as they say, Cody. <laughs> My number two is, uh, is Barbie. For me, you know, directed by Greta Gerwig, who directed one of my four favorite movies of all time stars margot robbie who is my favorite actress working today it's also got an incredible cast on top of that ryan gosling helen mirren will ferrell emma mackey uh, michael sarah simi lu i mean the list goes on with with countless other people they did a 2001 a space odyssey teaser trailer you know reference cody wasn't a huge fan of uh but no i think this movie is gonna be great it's written by noah bombeck and greta gerwig yes it's a movie about barbie so like, yes, everything has to be somewhere based in IP, but if this is what those people are doing, I'm, I'm excited to see what's next. I mean, yeah, everyone in front of the camera, behind the camera is great. I just don't know what it's about. Like, it's just about Barbie's living in some society or something. I, I don't know. Like, the, the concept I don't think is as interesting as as everything else you just said. I mean, Greta Gerwig is, is amazing. That entire cast. I mean, Margot Robbie, I agree with everything you're saying. I just... I have a little hesitation because I, I thought the trailer was okay, but it just kind of seems a little bit like uh, don't worry, darling, to me, just by the look of it. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it kind of just worries me in that sense because, I mean, I, I love Olivia Wilde too, but uh, yeah, that movie's terrible. So it, it's definitely a little worrying. I think it, to bring back an herb, I think it is like Truman Show, Matrix, Barbie. Like you realize, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. In 2001. Yeah, well, you know, and at least in the trailer, yeah, 2001. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely what I'm going to see as well. Um, but yeah, interesting concept. I mean, if that hits, that's going to be a massive, I think, box office piece as well. So, yeah, I mean, just Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie, have they ever made a movie together? I don't really think so. Which movie is going to have a bigger opening weekend, Cody? Uh, Oppenheimer or Barbie as they premiere the same day? Are they the same week? Oh, wow. I'd probably say Oppenheimer. That's probably a bad matchup for Barbie, honestly. Listen, I'm going to have a ticket to both. That's all I know. Yeah, I was going to say, they'll both make buku bucks, but it's hard to go up against a Nolan film and, and beat it opening weekend, I would think. For sure. But hey, people love dolls too. So <laughs> true. do you like nuclear bombs or Barbies better? <laughs> Why not both? That's Easy my choice. Point. What's your number one, Cody? Yeah, my number one. And I don't think you're going to like it. It's <laughs> For me, it's the Flash. <laughs> uh, I don't know why, man. I am unbelievably pumped for this movie. Uh, it has nothing to do with Ezra Miller. There's a lot of issues surrounding this film. But The Flash is like my favorite comic book character of all time, basically. He's never gotten a movie for some reason. How many Batman movies do we have? Like 10, 20? I don't even know. You did get nope. nine seasons of a CW show, Cody. Yeah, so you should true. fucking count yourself lucky. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the first two were okay. And the seven after that, I haven't seen. Because they're dog shit. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> The Flash, just such a fun character. I feel, feel like visually, finally, like I, we were talking about Quicksilver last week, you can finally do like visually a Flash movie that makes sense with, with the modern age of technology. So this is the time to do it, I think. 
and then bringing together the flashpoint you know story which is in my opinion the best story you know comic book wise in that sense as well super pumped throwing michael keaton coming back i mean that's pretty dope the trailer looked okay i mean i don't know supergirl looks okay i you know it is what it is some of the other elements are definitely questionable i, I don't know about bringing zod back i think michael shannon was good in that role but I don't know. The, the, the cool thing about the Flashpoint story is you can kind of cameo a lot of different people. So I don't know how much they're actually showing. I mean, it is DC, so they usually show the entire movie. I think they've shot this movie like seven different times. So they probably have a yeah. lot of different choices. To a lot of rewrites, probably a couple, you know, just screenplay changes with the whole Ezra Miller situation as well. Um, yeah, I'm pumped. I love the Flash. And um, this might be the only movie that I see like thursday night opening weekend oh the entire year which is wild because i usually don't do that but yeah for the flash fuck it i'll do it <laughs> i hope it proves me wrong that's that's all i'll say i, I won't bag on it too much oh i don't um, think it's gonna be that good either but i i hope it proves me wrong. <laughs> did you did you have any honorable mentions anything you were thinking about that you wanted to include in the top five Cody? i mean there's so much to include i didn't really have any if i'm being honest but i mean how many how many good movies are going to be released this year an insurmountable number. So I, I didn't have anything though. I think specifically, I, I've thought about maybe doing a, you know, what's coming up in the next few months pod, maybe where we do like a deep dive on some of this stuff. So I'm sure there's a ton to talk about. Um, I do want to shout out Air, which is a movie I have some personal investment in, as it is on my fantasy filmography yeah. team that we're doing with uh, Carter and Jackson over at the Rust Cut Retrospective. Um, but it's just like a lot of people I like. It's a story that it would interest me that's being told. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited for that. It comes out in a couple of weeks, so yeah. the hype isn't too high. And then, then the other one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, this, you know, into the Spider-Verse animated-esque version of the, the Turtles movie. Uh, I, I just saw the uh, 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie in theaters yesterday before I went and watched the Oscars. Uh, absolute classic. Love, love me some Ninja Turtles. Yeah. No, and the... Uh... I like the voice. The trailer cast. looks hype. Yeah, the trailer was good. I like the voice cast a lot. I believe Jackie Chan is Splinter. Uh, oh yeah, amazing. And they even had Post Malone as as one of the lower villains, which I love too. So hopefully he contributes to the soundtrack. But yeah, no, I, I think that was a good choice in in our uh, our draft as well. So I like that pick. All right, let's uh get to our next couple questions for our man Austin Neitenhelzer. Hey, Cap and Cap listeners. Uh, this is Austin, probably the best person to ever lived in 208 to heart. Uh, but listen, I got a couple <laughs> of questions for you guys. First up, uh, what movie in 2023 are you guys looking most to see and potentially doing a pot over? Uh, next question, uh, do you guys see any smaller uh, actresses or actors making it big this year? If so, who they are and what's your thinking behind them making it large? And uh, Last question, uh, it's probably the best one. What's your guys' opinions on all the Fortnite collabs? Uh, we're we're some Fortnite veterans over here, so I wanted to see your guys' take on this. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks to Austin. Uh, I appreciate that he addressed the uh, listeners and us. You know, there, there are other people, <laughs> guests. Uh, but uh, he threw some shots there at the beginning. How do you feel about that, Cody? Oh, I respect it. Uh, you know, the best in two hate to heart. You know, that's definitely a good question. He's probably he's probably in the top five, I'd say. So, makes sense. <laughs> First one, Cody, what... Is there anything that's coming out this year that you want to, you're excited to maybe cover on the podcast? You know, I was thinking about it. We haven't covered a lot of movies at their release date, notably <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home, The Batman and Avatar 2 are really the only ones we've done. We did do the first Dune 
like three or four months out from release. But uh, what is there anything in 2023 you want to you want to hit opening weekend and cover on the pod? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, it always depends on, you know, how good the movie is, if there's a lot to talk about. I definitely have a short list that I think, you know, are definitely possibilities. And at, at the top of that list is Dune 2. I mean, I feel like if it is... It, well, it I mean, feels it, like one will do because we did yeah. the first one. And I mean, like, you really just like the Dune story, I think. And I just really love Denis Villeneuve. So it's kind of a perfect combo. But yeah, even if it's really bad, like, that's a great one to talk about. <laughs> so shout out Austin Butler. But past that, I mean, comic book wise, maybe The Flash, maybe Guardians, depending on those. But another one we have mentioned, too, I think Oppenheimer would be a great one. I feel like there's so much to talk about. I feel like already there's ton of, like a ton to rag on that movie already. It's so easily hateable with that cast. And I feel like there's going to be like some weird and wild directions. You know, it's a Nolan film. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. So I think that'd be a good one. And it'd probably get really good views, too, because, I mean, it, it's the new Nolan film. So, you know, just just speaking in, in selfish views terms, <laughs> those would probably be the easiest ones. But. I mean, like I said, there's so much good stuff coming out. Everything you mentioned on your list, everything I mentioned on my list, I think it's always a possibility. But yeah, I feel like, you know, the biggest hits of the summer, right? Like usually we we would hit on it a little bit at least. Yeah, like I think we'll talk about most of the movies that get released in some yeah. capacity. Do a full but yeah, in terms of doing a full episode, we are usually pretty selective when it comes to new movies. It typically only happens when, you know, like you or I see it and we're just like, I really want to talk about that because like there's something interesting to have a discussion. Spider-Man No Way Home, the Batman, like those were movies that just like we wanted to have discussions on. And, you know, I think that's why those episodes worked. Um, Avatar 2, Aiden really wanted to talk about it. So <laughs> we uh, sat through, I sat through that movie twice just for that episode. So uh, shout out to that. But I think Dune 2 will definitely be one that we cover. Um, another one that I was thinking, maybe we didn't mention this in our most anticipated, but it's definitely up there for me. Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel to into the Spider-Verse. We've done a lot of Spider-Man on this podcast in the past with yeah. the amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man No Way Home. It would maybe make sense to cover that one as a new release. Um, and then we're not going to be doing a main series episode on Fast 10, probably. Uh, but I do want to shout out that when Fast 10 comes out, uh, me and Jackson Mihuron, we've been working on something special uh, for that in the entire Fast and Furious franchise. So be on the lookout for that. I completely forgot about Fast 10. That's even coming out this year. It's a good point. I hope we don't do a full pot on that one, but it's always a possibility. You know? Hey, the one, either the people might demand it or the movie might demand it. So that is true. If, well, I think the thing in the trailer, it's like, oh, it's the beginning of the end or something too. So maybe when the finale finale comes out, that'd be a good one. But yeah, that's a good point. Shout out, uh, that cast is unbelievable too. I mean, everyone in their right mind who's ever been in action movies in Fast 10. Well, and so. that that's the thing. That movie has Jason Momoa and they're, they are retconning that he was there for Fast 5. So yeah. while we don't necessarily commit to covering whole series or covering sequels at all times, sometimes we cover the second or third movie. We did cover Fast 5 and Fast 10 is kind of the movie in that series most directly linked to fast five so it may make sense to do a full yeah. fast x pod cody i don't know if i don't know hey, I mean, tweet at us if you want it. <laughs> i mean statham's in it john cena's in it the girl from dr strange is in there it. is I no mean, rock if the rock was there i think it would be a must Han's in it i mean it, they, they have connections to basically every movie uh rita moreno is in it <laughs> yeah true captain marvel's in it brie larson's in brie it. larson's I mean, in it 
who the hell wasn't in this movie? So yeah, there would be a lot to talk about with that one too. Hitting over that second question he asked, I, I really like this one. Who do you think has a chance at uh, making it into the mainstream this upcoming year, Cody? Yeah, this is a tough one. And um, I do have a deeper cut pick that uh, I'm sure you won't like. But first off, I mean, the obvious one. I mean, is, I mean, this is kind of a joke, but Jenna Ortega. I mean, <laughs> she's literally going to be in every single movie for the next 10 years. So I guess this is kind of already her breakout year or breakout years. But I mean, that's the next, like, uh, Zendaya sort of. I don't know, name any other massive actress. That's her. Well, okay. You said you said Jenna Ortega, and I think mm-hmm. it's then fair for me to throw out the like almost the the Jonathan Majors. Like, I think both of those people, yeah, they've already hit it big. If exactly. if this podcast was eight months ago, we could probably say both of those people, and then we would be we could have bet on them and we'd be extremely rich right now. But it is clear like those two have hit the point, and it's only up for here, and they're gonna continue to skyrocket. Uh Jenna Ortega. Scream 6 came out this weekend and was fucking huge. She's great in it. Uh, she's going to have season two of Wednesday Adams, you know, coming. And then, of course, Jonathan Majors is in the biggest Creed movie of all time, is the next giant villain in the MCU, and will probably win an Oscar for a movie that came out at Sundance in January. So, you know, those two are... <laughs> That would be cheating, I would say, but you yeah. know, you are right. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the obvious, obvious picks, but might as well throw them out there. My other one, which is still a little bit obvious, but a little bit less, I'm going to say Bella Ramsey. They're in uh, The Last of Us, which I think just finished up, which is, I mean, a massive hit there. And then, I mean, I already knew they were a great actor anyways, though, because, I mean, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yes. One of the best roles, I think, uh, for a little kid of all time. Uh, it's only upward trajectory from here on out. I think pretty much similar to Jenna Ortega, but just maybe a little bit earlier on. They're going to get cast in literally everything that comes out in the next five years. So that's another pretty obvious one, I would say. Yeah, I'm just waiting for that that first tweet, the Bella Ramsey cast in yeah. X, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm waiting to see what it is. You're going to see that about 10 times this year. But past that, I'll, I'll give you a deep cut here, Coburn. You ready for this? Oh, okay. Tell me who um, Ashley Ofterheit is. Do you know who that is? Can't say that I do. Let me uh, see if I can see a picture of her. <laughs> oh, it's not worth it. How do you even spell it? <laughs> All right, got A-U-F-D-E-R Hyde. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just going to pop up what she's in. She's only in like one thing. Well, I just want to see her face. Uh, Yeah, I don't know who that is. <laughs> What oh that 90s show sick. <laughs> she's one of the stars of that 90s show. She's not um Leia, she's not Eric and Donna's kid. She's her, her friend in the series. But I think she's actually really, really good in that. And surprisingly, like a lot of those well, not surprisingly, a lot of kids in that series are not very good. But I thought her specifically, like she's actually a really good actress. So that's my low-key one. That's like, oh, maybe put a dollar on her and because it's like plus a million odds that she goes big. Uh, and if you hit it, you basically win the lottery. But that's my super deep cut, mostly just because she's in that 90s show. But I, I do genuinely think like out of that bunch, she she's miles ahead of, of most of those actors. 
Yeah, I, I think that is, uh, while I haven't seen the show, I, I think picking people out from stuff like that, you know, whenever a new Netflix show premieres, especially one that gets renewed for a second season that has a lot of eyes on it, the people involved are probably going to, you know, have some uh, acclaim and get some other roles down the line. Whether or not it ends up working out, we'll see. But uh, I, I like the, uh, the long odds bet. My three here are, are all women. And to varying degrees, I would say one of them has probably also already made it. The other one is like, half a step off and the other one might might take a little bit longer so the one that has probably also already made it is rachel ziegler it's just we haven't seen a lot of work from her so she was the star of west side story and she has also been cast as snow white in the upcoming live action version of that for disney who knows when that's even going to start filming or happen but she was cast before west side story even came out so you know she's kind of had a pin put on her for a while she's also going to be appearing in shazam fury of the gods this upcoming weekend um, in kind of a smaller role i think and then also she's going to be starring in the hunger games prequel so i think you've got the kind of the west side story precursor she's going to have two huge movies at the box office this year and then she's going to be snow white we're going to see a ton of rachel ziggler in the next few years for sure yeah i think this is sort of like her franchise building year i mean if hunger games explodes which I mean, it likely could. I don't know if it will. Um, and then her moving into a Disney project too. I mean, that'll open the insurmountable number of doors for her. So I do like that pick. My next one who is a person that just like, even in the last week, I feel like I've just been seeing everywhere. So it's it's kind of speaking to the power of it. But uh, it is uh, Ayo Edabiri. Do you know who that is, Cody? Uh, maybe. What are they? In? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. So uh she, you would probably most notably know her from The Bear, which was that Hulu show um, with the guy from Shameless that came out last year. I believe they are doing a season two of that. So she's like the basically the second lead of that, um, kind of mm -hmm. comes in behind the, the dude from Shameless. And then um, on top of that, she's going to be playing April O'Neil, doing the voice of April O'Neil in the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie, which I think is great. Uh, she just popped up in a cameo in Abbott Elementary, again, speaking to that, like, she's kind of just going around doing her thing. Um, she's got a movie premiering this past weekend at South by Southwest that I believe is on Jackson's team or Carter's team bottoms, which is basically a fight club, but with lesbians in high school, which sounds pretty interesting. Her and uh, Rachel uh, Sinnett from uh, a movie called Shiva Baby. It's also directed by the director of Shiva Baby, Emma Sibigelman. So like, I think that's going to be a huge one. And then she's also going to be appearing in Thunderbolts. I'm not sure specifically what her role is, but I think that's going to be like the big, like, oh shit. Yeah. This person has been, uh, been well-known for a few, uh, few movies now. Dang. Oh yeah. I did not know that she's going to be in Thunderbolts. That's pretty awesome. And I've not seen the bear. I've heard really good things about that though. That is on my list of one to eventually check out. Yeah, I honestly don't think I knew who that is, but it sounds like she's about to have a big year. So I actually really like that pick. I feel like that's one of the few ones maybe I would have no idea who that is. I can't even put a name to a face. So respect for a deeper cut there. And uh, then next for you, do you know who Storm Reed is, Cody? That name sounds very familiar. Storm You've definitely Reed. seen her. So notably, she did have a movie oh. come out in January. Uh, she was the star of Missing. She played the daughter who was looking for her yeah. mom. Um, think, she's oh, also the that? younger sister on Euphoria. She plays Zendaya's sister. Yeah. What's and that then Disney she, movie with, uh, it's like time travel or some shit? Yeah, she was in uh, A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah, yeah. She was yeah, in I that. Do, I and know then, that uh, She's also going to be in The Nun 2, which comes out. So the, she's taking an entrance as uh, maybe a scream queen in the Conjuring universe. So I think we're still maybe one or two parts off, but she's had a lot of, good supporting roles. Again, Euphoria, all of those people in that show are getting a lot of recognition as she begins to kind of age into a mature, more mature type role. I think she's going to, we're going to see a lot more of her in the coming 
uh, years as well. I actually really like that pick. Storm Reed underrated. I do know who that is. So shout out me. But yeah, no, <laughs> I can see her uh, blowing up pretty big too. Uh, I mean, she's got a lot of stuff going on this year. So that makes sense. She was also uh, in The Last of Us for a little bit as well. So there you go. Mm, nice. Spoiler alert. And then uh, the last question that uh, Austin asked us, is he just wanted our opinion on Fortnite collabs. Now, of course, this does take us back to our, our roots of the show, funnily yeah. enough, with uh, our, our original category of what we would add to Fortnite from the movie. Cody, neither, <laughs> neither of us play Fortnite anymore. Uh, yeah. We definitely played it long past its expiration date, uh, but we are no longer Fortnite players. But w- have you seen some of these latest collabs? Do you want me to, to read some of these skins off of you? I got an article pulled up here. Oh, 100%. I was going to say, I mean, shout out back to season one. Rip our Fortnite category. Just an all-time classic. Um, yeah, I don't think I've played the game. It's got to be close to a year now. So I, I'm not too sure of most of the collabs. Well, you know, we've missed a lot, so I won't be able to cover them all. <laughs> um, I would say the uh, general theme is just that uh, I suffer under capitalism is the theme for, mm-hmm. for, for general what, what Fortnite is bringing to the table. Notably, Adonis Creed made an appearance. That's the most recent collaboration. Um, Sam Wilson as uh, Captain America. The Kid Leroy, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Mr. Beast, Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, Han Solo, uh, Black Adam, The Rock, Spider-Gwen, <laughs> Starfire from DC, Patrick Mahomes, Wolverine, X-23, John Cena, Naruto characters, Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Allie <laughs> I'll tell you what, most of these sound all right, other than like Patrick Mahomes. And uh, I-, I really like the Pac-Man, actually. I would probably buy that one out, right? But yeah, interesting uh, collabs there. Like you said, I mean, basically anybody who wants a skin will get one if they're handing out. It's like Mr. Beast and... And some of these, Kid Leroy. Why does Kid Leroy have a skin in Fortnite? But yeah, I mean, I would probably buy the Kid Leroy skin too. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, that's an, <laughs> that's an interesting list. Yeah, I'm not too mad. I don't play the game anymore though. Let's move on to our next question. Let's do it. From Trevor Van Overberg. What's up, guys? It's Trevor. Congrats on two years of the podcast. My question is, uh, how do you guys sleep at night knowing that just a few minutes after saying the worst Spider-Man movie ever made, was your most underrated film. You then said that the cinematic psychological masterpiece that is the Truman Show is your most overrated. Um, <laughs> I'd like to know your guys' thoughts. Potentially a formal written apology would be nice as well. Uh, congrats again on the podcast. You guys are doing great. Thank you, Trevor, so much for, for that wonderful question. Um, you know, every night when I go to bed, I, I have a projector in my room and I just turn the Truman show on and it puts me right to sleep. That's how I sleep. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. Shout out Trev. Good question. You know, I do, I do have some trouble falling asleep at night. Thanks for, thanks for asking. Uh, yeah. I mean the Truman show, it's okay. I don't know. I, I think it's definitely a, a little overrated. I don't know. I, I don't think Jim Carrey's that good of an actor either. It's kind of just slapsticky. Yeah. If you really want to know, go check out our episode with Trevor, which is a really good thing. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think that movie's just, it's too beloved for my liking. I have nothing further to share. Thank you, Trevor. <laughs> Would love to have you back on season five. Yeah, and then The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I mean, you're probably right. That is probably, that's up there for the worst Spider-Man movie. I would say personally, that's probably Spider-Man 3. I mean, Topher Grace has Venom. My goodness. But yeah, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is bad. 
But I like Dane DeHaan. Like, I don't it's know. bad, but people underrate it. It's better <laughs> than people think. I it's stand by worst. that. Yeah, I think it's underrated because it's not the worst. But yeah, I mean, you bring up good points with both those. So shout out, Trev. Next question comes from Jack Laub, both uh, former guest and star of my short film, Contact Us. Hey, Corbin and Cody. It's Jack Laub. Congratulations on the two-year anniversary of your podcast. That's a huge accomplishment. As you know, Chris and I acted in your short film, Contactless. Let's say a big movie studio just bought the rights to the film in order to make a feature, and they've put you in charge of finding the talent. The only catch is you can't choose anyone who worked on the original short film. Who would you choose to star in and direct the feature adaptation, assuming that you have no budget constraints? Thanks again, guys, and I really hope you have another two years of success on the podcast. Thank you, Jack. Really appreciate yeah. that question. And that's a really fun one to think about as well. I'll throw it over to you. Who do you, who do you think should star in this movie? Uh, first off, shout out, Jack. This probably is my favorite question of the bunch. And this is tough, though. I mean, in general, I would have said you to direct, Corbin. So it's kind of tough. I can't pick that. He put that stipulation in, probably smartly so. Yeah, I don't know. Sort of, uh, I'm kind of going to this three ways. The studio, first off, I want to address. I would say either Blumhouse or maybe A24. And if I was going to go the Blumhouse direction, I think director-wise, I would probably pick James Wan. Love you're his... going full horror on this this picture. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, contactless, you can kind of go about it two different ways. You can go thriller or you can kind of go horror, I think. So that would kind of be my horror direction. Um, but if I wanted to go more thriller, I was thinking A24. Yeah, you know, obvious, I guess that's obvious. Not really. Um, but then director-wise, <laughs> we talked about already. The Finchman. Give me the Finchman directing contactless. That would be amazing. <laughs> it gets and a lot then, darker, I'd say. <laughs> well, yeah, fair. And then starring wise, I was thinking either Ed Norton, which is an obvious pick, or Chris Evans. Give me Chris <laughs> Evans directed by David Fincher in contactless. That sounds amazing. I, I need to see that immediately. Well, you know, I just I, I wanted to go a little bit more like into like the specific characters instead of just throwing Chris Evans. Oh, I don't care about that. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I really do love this question. It was a lot of fun to think about. Like, who would who would I like envision to like continue on the style and like what genre I see this in? I don't really yeah. want to go as deep thriller, as deep into war or horror as you are with are you like Fincher, James Wan. I do want to go a little bit more fun comedy thriller comedy type really? of direction so mm -hmm. first of all i was thinking you know funny enough like a person would maybe make sense to do something similar to this right now would be like a sean levy who we talked about in our real steel episode two goes i think that's something he could handle really well because it is type kind of like a family type comedy but it does have a couple like action set pieces in it and uh you know some fun stuff that i think he could do um and then also like i think edgar wright would also be really incredible thinking like baby driver in terms of like the action and the getaway and the driving. I think that stuff would be really great. Um, yeah. Give me, give me contactless by Edgar Wright. Mm -hmm. um, and then starring in it, I think for the uh, Timothy role, which is played by Jack, I, I picture like a Lucas Hedges in that role. So, you know, you know, younger actor, mid twenties uh, that can really play the nervous. Cause that's the big thing. That character is supposed to be scared of the world, unsure of himself. And that's kind of the journey that he's 
going to go through on throughout the movie is how does he manage to just deliver a pizza without shitting his pants? Uh, so I think Lucas Hedges can play unconfident well. Um, and then the character of David, which is played by Chris, needs to be a little bit more, you know, cocky. He's seen some shit. He's been through it. Um, so I thought, you know, maybe like a Dylan O'Brien could could do that. Or uh, even, you know, I recently saw O'Shea Jackson Jr. in Cocaine Bear. And I think he would bring a really fun comedic energy to the role. Throw him in just like completely tired of the bullshit of like the young, inexperienced, nervous delivery driver. I think that dynamic with Lucas Hedges would be really funny. Yeah, I like that aspect of it for sure. I think we just thought different directions again. I do really like Edgar Wright for that pick for for that subgenre. Uh and O'Shea Jackson's a great pick too. I don't know if I'm completely sold on uh, Lucas Hedges. Uh maybe maybe throw a little Timmy Shalloway in there, I think. That'd be a good role for him. A little bit different from what he normally does. Yeah, I, I could see it. Just because he plays, you know, dick in every movie. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Give him, give him something else. To do. Lucas Hedges is a is a I feel like a nervous nerd in every movie. So fair. I don't know. And uh, I did want to cast the uh, cop role as well which is notably played by me and uh nick offerman i mean had a big breakout uh return in the last of us recently you know he doesn't typically play villains but uh i think this is his chance to kind of you know be the evil guy and i think it could work because initially when you meet the cop character you're kind of supposed to be a little bit unsure are you supposed to like this guy is he trustworthy um and i think nick offerman is such a friendly face at first you'd be like okay yeah cop he's gonna save the day he's gonna help these guys out and then uh you get a good turn from him which i think would be great and great mustache as well oh perfect mustache uh a perfect cop mustache too so i think that fits perfectly but yeah i mean i I don't know how anybody can replace that role i think that's got to stay you know the original cast but I guess if you had to pick somebody, Nick Offerman's a good one. Looking forward to to seeing Edgar Wright's contact list coming uh coming out next year. I'd rather I'd still rather see Finchman's, but that's just me. Our next question comes from Carter Sim. Hey boys! Oh, you're talking. Sorry. Uh, cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Hi. We're not cutting it. That's okay. I'll go. Hey, boys over there at Cody and Corbin have a podcast. This is Carter Sims from the Rough Cut Retrospective. I've got a question for you, boys. Uh, If you could be an extra in any movie in history, what movie would it be? This is a really fun one. And I think it's especially fun because you could probably interpret in a lot of different ways. Like, why would you want to be an extra in a particular movie? Um, So I'll throw it over to you, Cody. What what movie would you love to be an extra in? This is a tough one. I feel like if I put... Like, I feel like the more that I think about this, like the entirety of different directions you could go. My first thought and like extra is interesting because it's not necessarily saying like you have a role in the film, but I mean, you're there. So my thought process is go into a movie that has a small cast. So even if you are an extra, like you're going to be somewhat memorable so because of that, I went a rival, um, which I feel like is about nine. I mean, not nine, probably like five name actors, if that. Um, but like if I was just like one of the extra guys who was trying to like bomb the aliens or like one of the guys. Generic the- army guy. Yeah. Or if I was like one of the general guys, <laughs> like I would have like two lines because that's everyone in the movie because there's no way you cast that movie. So that's my initial thought past that. I mean. Again, I'm a comic book guy, so like throw me in any MCU movie, any X-Men movie, just like in the background. And then some and like put me in a cool a cool costume. And then people online are gonna be like, 
oh that's one of the dealer's characters like that's a cool that's a cool extra he's gonna be in the next movie and then, and then you like, want like an entire backstory formulated by an <laughs> online community that creates yeah. a twitter account and then and then maybe it'll blow up or something and i'll get like a spin-off series of my own so kind of that one for maybe personal gain and then arrival obviously that's a personal choice too but i don't know you can you can like like i said go 100 different directions and i think there's not really a bad answer here so definitely a fun question first heard this i thought like maybe you pick a movie that's just you would want to be there for the making of it like yeah. not even necessarily you want to be on like you just want to be a part of it so i think to like my favorite movies also directed by amazing people catch me if you can ladybird the social network inception I would love to just sit there and watch Spielberg work while I'm in the back of the scene. I'd love to see Greta Gerwig direct a scene, David Fincher, Christopher Nolan. Like these are people like, I, I think it would be so cool to just be there and, and watch it all happen. Um, on top of that, in terms of just like wanting to be a part of like a big fun moment in a movie. I mean, I'd love to be a part of any of those party scenes in the Wolf of Wall Street. Those seem like just a blast to shoot. Um, oh, Ferris true. Bueller's Day Off put me in the parade scene while they're singing Twist and Shout. Like that Project shit would X? be so cool. Project Pro X, oh, some of the Babylon stuff. Some like there's so many like great like giant scenes that I think would just be so cool to just basically party in. Yeah, that's a great point. I did not think of that at all. I mean, even like super bad. I, you could go on and on with just like super fun movies to be a part of in filming. Yeah, that's a great point. Let's move on to our uh, next question from Dylan. Hello guys. I wanna start off by saying, I hope everything is all well with everybody and everybody's jobs are going great. Uh, I can't believe it's been two years since you guys started this podcast in the good old 208 DeHart Street. Uh, I wanna thank you for allowing me to submit a couple questions here. So my first question is, since you guys have started this two years ago, what is your guys' favorite episode that you guys got to record? And then my second question is kind of directed more towards uh, Mr. Webb. Um, <laughs> do you believe that Romeo Langford is a lottery pick? Well, I think we should probably address. Right, thanks for having me on, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> Take care. Well, I think we should. <laughs> I think we should probably address the first question there, Romeo Langford, Cody. Yes or no? Is he a lottery pick? Um, you know that might be that might have to be the clip of the week, right there. <laughs> you know, technically, yeah, I guess Romeo Langford is a lottery pick, but I mean, not really in the sense of the word, no. So uh, my final answer would be no. For the uninformed, Cody and I. Uh, and probably our, our greatest argument of all time <laughs> had a screaming match in our, our old apartment of, of 30 Hilltop uh, yeah. apartment 15. And uh, Cody, you contended that Romeo Langford selected 13th overall was sure. not a lottery pick. You did have essentially your thinking was uh, what Cody? Well, what I just said, <laughs> technically, yeah, sure. He's considered a lottery pick. But I mean, he's like the last pick in the lottery. He was picked so. 14th. Yeah. So you're, you're, you were like, if they're not top 10, they're yeah, not a lottery top pick. 10, top 12. Yeah. I mean, he went to a pretty good team that almost played the playoffs. So, you know, it is what it is. Good question from Dylan <laughs> bringing back old fires between me and Corbin. Um, but I think that's got to be the clip of the week. Get, roll that clip immediately. <laughs> it's in the lottery. When they picked Romeo Langford, he's not a lottery pick. And they took Matisse Stiebel at like 20 seconds. You fucking stupid. <laughs> he's shit, though. He, if he was a lottery pick, he'd be starting. 
his first question, Cody, what's your favorite episode? I really struggle to like pick because we've done so many. It's hard to even remember what has happened in any of these episodes. Um, mm. But, you know, of your children, which one's your favorite? I feel like um, possibly we've been asked this before or we just ask ourselves this, I guess. But there's always a few that come to mind for me. Uh, one of the first ones is the first one, Gone Girl. I think that season one, episode one, it's definitely one of my favorites, kind of just kicking everything off. And just a really good episode, I think. Uh, just, I feel like we kind of tailored the categories perfectly for Gone Girl for season one. Maybe not for the rest of the season, but I really enjoyed that first episode. I'll pass that. One of my personal favorites, too, is the Interstellar episode. Kind of just ruining somebody's favorite movie. Kind of just really fun. So got to shout that one out. Shout out Aiden. And then lastly, um, I think I've talked about this one before too, but that Annihilation episode, uh, uh, probably one of the most recent one out of those three. I love that episode. Kind of just, you know, we we basically disagreed on what the movie was even saying. So just a really fun conversation, just trying to explain the plot in general. And yet just so much just wackiness in this movie to talk about. And it was our both time, like first time watch too. So I think that's definitely a good one to start too. If if like if, if this is like one of the first ones you're listening to, I'd recommend going back and even if you haven't seen Annihilation, just go go listen to that one because it's it's just bonkers. I think the Annihilation episode is like one that I'm most proud of in terms of like the actual filmic analysis that we provided and like how deep we got into things and we addressed like differing perspectives and different interpretations and yeah, I, I do think that is a really, I, I got to give us a little bit of a pat on the back. I think we did really well on that episode and I am definitely proud of it. Um, in terms of ones that were just like extremely fun to make, I love the party pod episode, the one night one pod that we did that we recorded at, at you know, like a, a function at my house, essentially at the old 208 to heart house. Um, and, and that was fun because we got a, like a lot of random people in there that have never been on any other episode. We got a lot of fun conversations. And when you add a little bit of alcohol, things, uh, things loosen up a little bit, which is always great. <laughs> on top of that, our one year anniversary where we did our 1990s movie draft is a classic. Really any draft we've done, I got to shout out the, the Battle of the Heart character draft because I think that was like just such a different episode than something we had done previous. And of course it had our, our asker Dylan Schultz on it. Um, yeah. I think we need to get on for a, uh, a traditional episode for sure. Although we probably will have to cover a fast and furious movie. Yeah. So that, that's probably the only reason it hasn't happened yet. That could be the fast 10 episode. There you go. There we go. And then uh, just any top five or like top third. I mean, we did our favorite actors and actresses. Uh, I love that episode as well. All, all definitely good ones too. The heart draft uh, is one of my personal favorites too. The wackiness of that one um, is a lot of fun too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just getting my like two groups of roommates that I lived with for two years. Like it was a very special episode for me at the end of my college career, at the end of May Mania loved getting to do that one hashtag uh, bring back main mania stay tuned all right and then uh we'll move over to uh, another uh 208 to heart roommate of you and i connor van overberg uh-oh hey cody and corbin uh congrats on your two-year anniversary of the podcast uh this is your first ever guest and default favorite guest uh for the pod um and for my questions that i have for you out of the movies you've reviewed, which would you want to make a cameo in and what would it be or what would you do during it? Uh, and the second one is, 
if you had the opportunity to go back uh, and see three movies again for the first time, which ones would you choose? First one's a little bit similar to our extra question, but I definitely took it in a different direction. So let's start with that cameo. I mean, you hate this. You hate that Matt Damon is an interstellar. So why don't I just steal his cameo and make it my cameo? I mean, I think it'd be cool to be in a Nolan movie again. We've addressed that fact, but to play that role, I think would be really fun as well. Kind of being the villain of the movie. Yeah. And I think that would work better with a, with a no name actor like yourself too. And not Matt Damon, who's God awful in that movie, but yeah, that's actually a really good one that I didn't think about. So I, I back that completely. Uh, what, what were you thinking cameo wise, Cody? Yeah, I was thinking of a couple ones. And obviously you mentioned that it had to be a movie that we covered too. I think one that would be really fun would be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I'm not, there's too many like parts, I guess, to pick in that one. But I guess my one cameo would be in the uh, the parade scene. And I guess this is kind of similar thinking to just wanting to be there. But I would want to be one of the people dancing on, on top of the parade with him at that for some reason. Uh, but that was the first thing that popped in my head. The second film that popped in my head was actually Contactless. I want a cameo in Contactless. <laughs> if we can go back, I really, really want to be in that film. Uh, there's not too many parts to really pick out. Uh, but obviously the one that I would want would either be Austin's role of the murderer <laughs> or uh, Jacob Hughes' role as the person getting murdered. I think probably uh, Hughes' role would be a little bit more fun. And it is it is a bit more of a cameo, I would say, than Austin's role. But yeah, that, I mean, how can you not want to be in contactless? So that that is 100% my, my main pick. Hey, man, if you hadn't have graduated, you, you very well would have been <laughs> roped into it because that's what happened with Austin and Jake. They were forced to. <laughs> well, I'm pissed I missed it, but yeah. Um, two others that I, I had kind of thought about, just kind of funny one-off ones. Uh, the kid at the beginning of Holes, like, purposely gets bitten by the rattlesnake i think that'd be a fun little cameo to have you know get my holes action in and then uh playing uh either of the old people that jump off the cliff in midsummer would be uh just Ooh. you know good good bit yeah that's funny uh yeah okay nothing no comment on that <laughs> three movies that we wish we could see again for the first time cody what, what were you thinking man this is a great question and it was tough i mean for me it's kind of like what movies had a massive impact on me the first time I saw them. And I mean, the two for me are, are for sure like Arrival and The Prestige. I feel like any sort of massive twist movies is a really good pick here because your first time seeing it is just a hundred times different than, than like the second and the third and the fourth. And you never really get to go back to the feeling that first time. And in Prisoners, I guess that's not on my list, but that's another good one too. Kind of just like, you don't know what's going on the entire time. So like that first watch is really unique, I think, compared to every other watch. Um, but I'm going to go Arrival. I'm going to go with The Prestige. And then my third, I'm actually going to go with The Dark Knight. I feel like coming off of Batman Begins, you didn't really know like really what you were getting yourself into in this movie. Obviously, Heath Ledger as the Joker was not an extremely popular pick going into it. And then his, you know, posthumous, however you say that word, death is... It's just unbelievably unfortunate. So I feel like going into that movie, you kind of feel bad of like, maybe he's not going to be the best. And then it turns out to be one of the best performances of all time. I think just the shocking, you know, twists and turns of that movie is again, just stuff you don't really get to see any other times on, on any sort of rewatch. And uh, yeah, that, that's got to be on my list here too. So three really good movies in my opinion, but it's kind of just like, which one surprised me the most and which one kind of, 
it changed how I looked at the movie, the, the viewings after, I guess. This wasn't necessarily the question, but like getting to go back and see the Dark Knight at premiere, because like both of us were too young to have experienced that. I think yeah. that would be really dope as well. Being in the theater opening night, that experience would be crazy. Facts. What, what movies do you want to see for us coming in? Um, so the first one, I wanted to go for something that was just like a pure theatrical experience that I wanted to have again, and that is Endgame. It's probably the obvious choice. Um, you could go Infinity War or maybe even Spider-Man No Way Home for just like that pure like fan service, great moment in the theater. But for me, I think Endgame as a whole had the most moments and it was like that finale. It was the building. It was like, the, you know, the past 10 years of my life have been so focused on experiencing and enjoying these movies getting the chance to watch Endgame in a theater, funny enough, with Connor Van Overberg, the asker of this question, and, and my girlfriend, Mina Naki. Um, I'd love to go back and, and re-experience that. Um, we were a bit hungover, so maybe, uh, or no, I wasn't. 2019 definitely wasn't. Um, <laughs> maybe being in a different state of mind, going into the movie would also make it a better experience instead of seeing it at uh, 10 in the morning on a Saturday. Interesting. <laughs> Blame Connor for that one. He picked out the showtime. Uh, and I also do have beef with him because he invited me and I to go see this movie, picked out the Saturday morning showtime, and then went and saw it with some chick Thursday night without us. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. <laughs> Fuck you, Connor. Classic, um, yeah. <laughs> my number two movie is one similar to like The Prestige or Arrival and just like wanting to experience that twist again. And that's Inception for me. The first time you watch it, you have no fucking idea what's going on. It continuously, you know, oh, wait, this is a dream within a dream. Oh, my God, that's crazy. And then, of course, the beginning mirroring the end and kind of that connection. Yeah, it would be so cool to just kind of like be figuring everything out again for the first time. Usually what I do is I just wait long enough in between viewings of these types of movies to where I kind of forget a little bit and then it can kind of sort of come back to me to replicate the experience. But it's never quite the same. And then again, a mystery movie knives out i think that one is one that is so so much better with that twist that first reveal and it's a movie that you and i saw together cody so uh, i'd love to go back and, and watch knives out again wow means a lot um yeah that is another good pick any sort of like mystery film like that i feel like is definitely a good one i don't know if i've revisited that one that many times either so i, I don't know how how much drastically you would even remember like on some of those like you mentioned if you wait a while Maybe that's the strategy. If if you get like a really good twist movie, don't like don't watch it again for like five years and then come back to it. I kind of like that. All right. Let's move on to our next question. Speaking of Mean and Aki. Ooh. Hey guys. Happy two years of the pod. So my question for you is who was the better regional manager replacement for Michael Scott in the office? <laughs> D'Angelo Vickers, played by Will Farrell, or Robert California, played by James Spader? Thanks. Great question for Mina. And I do have to give her a special shout out as well for kind of helping produce this episode. She did a lot of legwork, helping put the questions together, kind of listening through and making sure everything was good. Uh, so special shout out to her. And thank you for asking this question. D'Angelo Vickers versus Robert California, the battle of the bad bosses, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, they both kind of suck. Uh, I think in a fist fight, D'Angelo Vickers probably wins. He's got the reach on James really? Spader. Will Ferrell does. Although James Spader, he probably fights dirty. So it would definitely be a close call. Um, in terms of trying to seduce someone, maybe Robert California wins that battle. He has uh, got a very alluring air to him. But in terms of managing, I think they're just both shit options. 
I, I think Vickers maybe, you know, lets his people work a little bit more. Robert California has a little bit more interference in the day-to-day workings, in the micromanaging of things. So I, I guess I go Vickers here. Interesting. I, I would have figured you'd gone the other way, but yeah, I don't mind that choice. Oh yeah. And uh, shout out executive producer, Mina Naki, big props per huge. And this is a great question. <laughs> this is probably my second favorite. It's tough. It is tough. I mean, you got the Lizard King versus, you know, Michael Jordan himself, basically in the flesh. And yeah, it's kind of like the dog whisperer versus the wrestler. And in a fist fight, it's tough because D'Angelo Vickers, you know, he's got his dogs with him. And uh, I mean, the Lizard King, I don't know if I'd mess with him. So it's kind of a toss up in that realm. I think management wise, it, it's a no doubter, though. It, it's D'Angelo Vickers in my mind. Uh, you know, he's got the Southwest vibe going in his office. He's just got a good personality. You know, everybody sucks up to him. Everybody's kind of scared of Robert, Robert California, likely because he is the Lizard King. Um, but yeah, also just James Spader in general. I don't know that he kind of just comes off really creepy and I guess it works for a couple episodes, but then they kind of like switch up continuously, like who his character is and, and kind of, is he a hard ass? Is he not a hard ass? So for me, I'm just going to, you know, stick with a smaller sample size and, and go with Will Ferrell and D'Angelo Vickers. Yeah. You know, there's more potential there. <laughs> there's there's untapped potential. We don't, we don't know. He broke his head open so we never got to experience the, the full power of the Vic man true and like D'Angelo he's introduced like in conject in a conjunction excuse me with Michael Scott leaving the show too so kind of just like warm feelings about those couple episodes that he's in with with Steve Carell as well and they have some good back and forth but James Spader's got to play off you know Andy the entire time so not much really to work with there yeah great question Mina let's move on to our next one from Jackson Mehron Hey there, Cat Podcast. It's your other favorite co-host from the Rough Cut Retrospective, Jackson. And my question for you wonderful boys is, if you guys were competing on Survivor, what would the other co-hosts' strengths and weaknesses be playing the game? (laughs) See, I like this question because Jackson, you know, asks us to kind of look at each other rather than ourselves. And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, who would be the best judge of the other on the survivor? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's us. So um, I'll start here. So yeah, strengths and weakness, weaknesses of uh, Cody on survivor. And uh, I mean this all with love. So first of all, as a strength, people might not know this, but Cody is sneakily athletic. And I do say sneakily, which That's- I think will work to your advantage. Cody, I know you don't like me saying sneakily, but the thing is, on Survivor, you don't necessarily want to come off as, oh, here's this great, powerful force that's going to do well in challenges. So mm-hmm. I think you have that to your advantage because you are an athletic person. I think you would do well at balancing. I think you'd be doing great with all the throwing the balls and the different stuff like that. <laughs> Not sure how you do in water, but I think challenge-wise, you would yeah. do better than the your tribe would expect you to. So I think that would uh, cause you to last until we get to the individual immunity challenges. And then maybe you might be able to make a little bit of a run. So you got that. You obviously know the game very well. You're a student of the game, but mm-hmm. so is everybody else in Survivor. So, you yeah. know, are you better than us? Um, I think you could float really well between different groups, you know, kind of playing the double agent thing. I do think that may be a harm to you because I think you might struggle to come up with like a singular number one ally that is your guy, like building that, you know, who's going to be your connection that you, you, you go for deeply. I think you'd be able to have a good group alliance and be able to jump back and forth and kind of be that float vote when people need you. But when it comes down to some singular person having your back, 
I don't know. You might struggle with that. Just my opinion. <laughs> I think you and I would both struggle as survivalists in general, put yeah. us out in the woods camping. <laughs> I don't think that's either of our fortes. And Cody, you're a little skinny. You probably need to put on some pounds before you head out to Survivor because uh, you're not going to be eating for a couple of days. <laughs> I love that analysis. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I feel like you just described a pretty good player. Um, so I'll take that. You know, sneakily athletic. I guess that that's kind of a good thing in Survivor. You're not wrong. I uh, don't really want to get outed as a you know physical threat uh, in the first few days. So I like that. Um, yeah, my, my first big weakness for you as well was going to be uh just i mean we're not going to survive on our own out there <laughs> like hopefully somebody else on our tribe knows what they're doing because uh yeah we're screwed like if if me and you are just on the tribe together uh like we voted everybody else out like we're screwed we're starving to death so i think that's the first big one but i think you do have a lot of positives to bring to the game of survivor i feel like in general you're you're pretty socially you know uh i don't know they call it like a social butterfly you kind of get along with everybody what you're kind of saying about me where like you don't think I if I would make you know the strongest personal connections, but would have like a good group dynamic. I think it's almost opposite for you. I think maybe you would you know focus in and be like, okay, me. And I would you, get burnt, dude. I would get yeah. so burnt. By an yeah. You're like, oh, me and you are working together. Like, what's the plan? And maybe you don't have the best strategic gameplay. I don't know. I think you are definitely warming up the game. Obviously, a little bit more um, understanding some of the more complex moves and stuff. So I think if you, you put yourself in this game for like a month, I think you'd adapt pretty quickly. And obviously you said most people in Survivor are gamers. I don't know if that's true. I think they like to believe they are, but I kind of, the deeper you get to like the, the more sleep deprived, less food you have, like people's minds start going crazy. So I think the deeper that, uh, you know, you'd get into the game, you'd have an advantage in that sense too, just because I, I do think mentally maybe you're a little bit stronger and probably a lot smarter than most of these people. But my last negative I did want to point out too, I think you would definitely give away uh, a little bit too much information. I feel like you'd be the person if you found an idol, you'd, you'd like start screaming and you'd go run. <laughs> well, I don't know about life. that, but I, I don't think I'm a great liar. I think if, if somebody yeah. point Blake starts asking me some questions, I, I probably would struggle with that. I, that's the thing. I think especially with like your close allies, you probably wouldn't be able to hold too much information from them, which is an important part of the game. But yeah, lying as well. Like speaking at tribal too, kind of giving a non-answer and being like, you don't want to give who you're voting for a little bit. I think maybe you'd struggle with that. But there's kind of just like a lot of nuances that like everybody would be bad at to begin with. But I think you'd be a pretty good survivor player. I think um, especially us combined, I think it would be a lethal duo. Well, that's what I was, that's what I was thinking, <laughs> Cody, if we, if we came as a team. Now that, <laughs> if they do like a, I don't know, podcasters versus... <laughs> people with real hopes and it's dreams like, it's like techies versus uh woodsman or something we can get on that season <laughs> there we go New podcasters from indiana <laughs> take out the great outdoors oh we'd kill them yeah that sounds fucking awful <laughs> <laughs> hey give it 10 more seasons they'll probably do it honestly i think um as soon as i started not getting food i would just be such an asshole like i get pretty hangry yeah. and I, I would struggle to like be nice to people especially because like every season there's always an annoying fucker maybe i'd be the annoying fucker but there's always somebody that's annoying and yeah. like to to deal with their shit and not <laughs> blow up on them as we have with each other in the past would would be difficult having not eaten yeah, I think I would probably be the annoying one in that situation too. <laughs> I feel like I would just get under people's nerves. And yeah, I mean, like when everybody's on no food, like 
I feel like everybody's just on like point like pins and needles almost like if you say one bad thing like there's gonna be a massive argument so yeah that's the beauty of the show though so much drama all right let's move on to our next question hey it's abby finer and my question is what theater experience do you guys wish you could have had with one another great question from abby obviously came on our conjuring episode to talk horror with us um another great episode that we did yeah um theater experience that I wish we had together. Uh, I kind of wanted to hit, we actually haven't seen that many movies in theaters together. The only ones that I could think of off the top of my head were Tenet, 1917, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Knives Out. Um, And you always contend that you don't even remember seeing 1917 with me. So really to you, maybe it's just three of those four. (laughs) Um, But I, I don't think I missed any. No, I think that's right. I can't think of any others. Yeah, I do remember seeing 1917 with you. I think that was a past pun I said that. But yeah, I think we had like weird seating and kind of sat separate or something, but great film, great film. But yeah, which ones would you want to see with me? You didn't even say. Nothing. I don't want to see anything. <laughs> well, I don't blame you there. <laughs> I feel like the obvious picks, I, re- I mean, you already brought up Endgame. Um, I actually saw that with uh, my brother, Jason. And he may have been like the worst person to go see that with. <laughs> I don't think he really knew. I, I think he knew like the gist of Marvel movies. I don't even know. I don't think he knew like half the characters. So that was kind of a fun experience, but not really at the same time. And then the other obvious one is uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. I think that would have been a super fun one just because, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, seeing the Spider-Mans all together is just wild. But my low-key one that I wish we would have saw in theaters, and it's kind of cheating, because we did we did watch it, but it wasn't in theater, and it's uh, Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that movie is just insane from start to finish. I feel like seeing it on the big screen, uh, it would have made the experience a little bit better, just because it it's more of a visuals you know movie then, and not so much of we're focused on what is going on in the story. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope that maybe in a theater we would have understood it more, but yeah. we were fucking lost, man. <laughs> I mean, that movie, it makes no sense, really. But, like, the action is off the charts. So I think that would have been a fun one to to retcon us from instead of in our apartment and, and watch that on the big screen. I think that would have been fun. Well, you know, you mentioned one that we did in Hilltop. I think seeing, we watched Snowpiercer together, and I think that would yeah. be a, another great one, a movie that I love a lot. Would have been so yeah. cool to go see that in theaters, especially, like, at the time, you know, it's like, oh, Chris Evans, like, you know, he's been Captain America. What's he doing? Oh, wow. Like, just I think that would be a really surprising performance to go check out. I think, you know, last year when I was still in West Lafayette, like I went and saw a lot of movies and there's a lot of movies that I saw with Jake and Austin. I loved going to see them. Batman, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, stuff like that. Um, it would have been great for you to be there along with us as well. The, the post Venom, Let There Be Carnage debrief where we talk about how shit both Venom and Venom, Let There Be Carnage are. Uh, that would have been some all time stuff. I think Barbarian, a movie that uh, I went to go see with Mina, which I, yeah. I, I don't want to remove Mina from the, I, just for the record, I'd still want Mina <laughs> to come, but I think you being there along with me, because I think that's just like such a great experience movie, like being there in the moment as it's happening. I'm sure you wish you could have seen it in a theater, um, that moment when it makes the shift about a third into it. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I would love to relive it as well, but uh, it'd be a great yeah. one to see with you. That's a great pick. Yeah. I do wish I saw that one in theaters too. Uh, one of my favorites from last year for sure. And then uh, a second underrated thing I want to say, going to the movies by yourself. <laughs> that's where it's at. Really? Oh yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah, that's I do my, that sometimes. That's my recommendation. Because here's the thing about a movie. 
you don't talk during it. You watch it. So yeah. it doesn't really matter if you're with anybody. One of my favorite things is uh, an empty movie theater by myself. That's completely underrated, I think. Oh, yeah. about that. Love that. Well, it's time for our final question. Saved the uh, best for last. Colton Boren coming in hot. Our last question. Let's hear it. Hey, guys. Um, how's it going? I uh, just wanted to send this out. Um, I know it's kind of just a little bit too late. Um, so hopefully I got it to you guys in the nick of time. Um, but yeah, no, you had me on season two um, a while back ago, which it seems like it's forever ago, but um, I guess it was only like a year and a half. But um, I don't remember what part, but maybe it was like halfway, midway through season two. But but yeah, um, you know, I had a blast and uh, hopefully I can do that again with you guys. Uh, I know me and Cody have talked about it a few times <laughs> here, but yeah. Um, so secondly, yeah, um, you asked for- I, I love Colton, but we got to clown him a little bit here, Cody. How much time do you think is left in this video? <laughs> I'd say at least another minute and a half. Let's keep listening. The Q&A. So um, I know that some of these questions might have already been asked. So I just kind of want to give you guys a variety and just to pick and choose from. So uh, I guess for my first question is, what has been the most gratifying part of this whole entire experience so far? Um, I know you get like, like you said, um, you know, two years. I mean, that's a long time. You know, you've watched countless hours of movies, um, countless hours of editing for you, Cody, or uh, not Cody, Corbin. So I um, just kind of wanted to see, you know, what was, what has been the best part? So my last question, um, this one might get you guys in trouble just a little bit with uh, some of your special guests so far, but um, just which one has been your favorite, uh, your, your favorite special guest? I know you guys have had a couple with, uh, you know, some return guests. So, um, so yeah, just wanted to see uh, which one, which episode was your favorite one with your special guest. So, all right, that's it for me. Um, hopefully you guys, uh, you know, used one of these questions. So, all right. Bye. <laughs> Oh, that's all staying in. <laughs> what is that? I mean, that's, I'm cutting. I'm gonna cut that down. That's, that's a little like tough. A third of the episode, right there. <laughs> Colton, we love you. Uh, that was like a two-minute and forty-second video. You listeners did not hear all of it. Uh, there was one question that had already been asked. So we cut that out. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to get us into a little bit of hot water, asking what our uh, favorite guest of all time is. That's that's kind of crazy. That's a tough one. I mean, it's it's so hard to choose. I feel like, I and um, do you have? You, I think we had a specific number of how many different people we've had on. Do you remember just like ballpark where was that? I mean, it was it was ridiculously high. I think it was like, yeah, it feels like we haven't even had that many people on. We've had twenty seven guests yeah, on the show. That's crazy. And shout out to all twenty seven. Uh, for my pick, uh, I do want to equally pick you know all twenty seven, but I'll shout out a couple people, obviously. I mean, Colin, like you said, he had, he had a fun episode back in season two. Uh, Shawshank, definitely a good one. I mean, there's there's too many names. Amy McLaughlin, we haven't given her a shout this episode. Jacob Sebasti, he's coming on again, uh, probably ASAP here. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Honestly, you know, Connor Vano, he mentioned he was the first guest we had. I think he needs to come back on as well. I think, you know, season one alum um, need to work their way back around in season five, but yeah, that's just a name of a few of my faves. I mean, Junior as well is, is of course, in there too. But go ahead, Corbin, take it away. I mean, we could literally name every single one of them off, and I'd agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think all of our guests are great. Uh, we've talked about all of them at different points, and so thankful to have any of them on, come on the podcast. 
obviously got to shout out my girlfriend, Mina Naki, and my brother, Kids of Vocal, two people most closely related to me in, uh, in that right. sense. So definitely got to give those two the top two prize. Um, but no, I, I, I want to thank everybody who's ever come on. We've had so many great guests, um, and we're going to have a ton of great ones in the future. I love bringing on new guests. Plug, plug, plug. If you want to come on the show, let us know. Um, yeah, I mean, just bringing on a new perspectives is always fun. And then, you know, kind of ripping into their their personal favorite movies is another just, you know, one of my favorite things to do. Um, but in general, I mean, for me, some of the most favorite things of just doing this for the past couple of years, honestly, just watching a bunch of new movies. Um, and then with that, too, watching a bunch of nostalgic movies. I think that's kind of the cool mix that we do on here a lot of kind of getting into a bunch of new stuff that I haven't seen and then also revisiting stuff that I really, really love. I think it, it kind of does have that perfect balance. But yeah, I mean, this pod in general, like I said, it's just a ridiculous amount of fun. Every single week, it, it's something new. I love the new concepts. I love breaking down just general movies altogether. I feel like I go on and on here, but yeah, it, there's there's tons of stuff, but it really is just kind of going through one by one and, and breaking all this crap down with you, which I don't know. Uh, still after two years uh, you know still has value so yeah there's a lot but that's the general gist i would say i think having guests on like those are always some of my favorite episodes i love doing solo episodes like these ones but like getting to bring in a new perspective like you said getting to hear a story about why somebody loves a movie or why it's their favorite like that's the reason i wanted to kind of do this podcast in the first place was to connect with different people over movies to talk to our different friends and to kind of just kind of grow and become closer with them you know primarily like this has been about you and i's friendship and being able to stay in contact despite me moving to the east coast and us being you know 10 hours away from each other at any given time so i think it's really cool that we're able to you know zoom and connect every week and just chat about movies and also to share that with you know different people who are listening it's been a ton of fun and it it's you know, just something I love doing. And, you know, we're going to continue to do it as, as long as we can. And, you know, here's to two, two more years for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Cheers to that brother. Well, uh, I want to say thank you to everyone listening. Anybody that's ever listened over the two years, uh, whether or not you made it this far, uh, probably <laughs> not, but thank you. Thank you to all our guests. Thank you to everybody who took the time to send in questions. Thank you to Cody for uh being here for these two years thank you to mina for helping out with this episode you're welcome also thank you to Carver for being here for the last two years as well i'll just shout him out but yeah ditto everything he said shout out all the guests shout out all the people who sent in all these these awesome questions and help us out for this two-year anniversary special and uh yeah two years down definitely two more to go and uh, a lot more after that too hopefully but yeah appreciate all you guys thanks for listening and we'll catch you in the next one stay cabin peace thanks what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.